to open a restaurant today and to return the money, the investment, I, I just don't see how people do it with the cost today. Ooh, it, it, you know, that's you a whole at, other podcast, Lee. We don't have enough time for all that. Let me tell you. you we're ready we're ready yeah welcome to the next episode of pancom podcast with me your host mike beltrant and our esteemed guest the one and only lee schrager <sighs> michael it's good to be here with you <laughs> this uh that's the only time that i get animated in the whole entire podcast <laughs> i think i've perfected that 100 plus episodes in um, and then with our uh, voice in the background, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Petey the dog. No, I'm just kidding. Petey's no. not here. It's Nicholas Jimenez, everyone. Yeah, I was worried about uh, having to deal with a wet dog on my way home. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, that, yeah. Sounds, that sounds about right. Um, okay, so, you know, anyone who knows kind of like you and I know that you and I have lots of things to talk about. But before we get into anything of note, uh, I think it's very important for people to know your background, how you got to where you're at, um, your story. I mean, obviously, you've been in the Miami circuit for a long, long time. You know a lot of people, um, and you've done a lot of things. So just from – it doesn't need to be like the very, very beginning, but like from the beginning of when this became a thing for you, you know, let us know. Well, I, 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 it depends upon what thing we're talking about. I, I assume the festivals, but uh, I'm a chef by trade. I went to the uh, Culinary Institute of America. I yeah. uh, then uh, graduated from there, came down here to go to school at Florida International University. I, at the same time I was going to FIU, I was working in Fort Lauderdale at a hotel called the Bahia Mar Hotel, hmm. uh, right on the beach. And um, I was a room service manager, midnight shift, which meant that not only did I take the order, I cooked the order and I served the order. Yeah, yeah, the whole um, kit and caboodle. Yeah, the, I did everything. Um, so, you know, basically what happened uh, from there is I was working as a room service manager. I would get in, you know, at nighttime, probably about 11 o'clock and watch what was going on in the hotel. The room service kitchen was shared with the banquet kitchen. And the banquet kitchen was always busy. It was a very social hotel, the BMR. And um, there were always lots of events going on and glamorous people and big galas and fundraisers. And I would watch that, and I kind of got enthralled with events. And the event department, catering department, was run by this older woman. She seemed older to me then, of course, um, probably older than her now. Um, and she was always screaming and yelling and fighting with the chef and threatening to quit. And uh, one night, she actually quit. And I kind of watched the whole thing happen. And I remember the following, you know, this was a Friday or Saturday night, and I remember that Monday morning going in and meeting the general manager of the hotel who I'd never met because I was working at midnight. And his name was Manny Garcia. And I said, you know, Mr. Garcia, you know, I, I've been working here eight months. I'm sure I can do Laverne Yeoman's job because I didn't even know Laverne quit is what he told me. Mm. But I said, she's quit. She's gone. And I said, you know, I think I can do that job. And uh, he said, well, what experience do you have? I said, well, nothing except watching it. Mm. And I think I, you know, pretty much got it down. He said, well, long story short, he said, you know, I'll give you a try for six months. I'm not raising your salary, whatever you're making now. And from there, kind of blossomed. I was good at what I was doing because um, not only, you know, did I was I good at selling, but I had the food and beverage background. And from that was really the beginning of my career. So I went from there and I... Then, oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. How old were you at this time? 
I was right out of school. I I went to the CIA before my 17th birthday. I graduated. Yeah. So I graduated the CIA before I was 20. So let's say I'm 21. Right. So let me ask you, the CIA, Jeff, could you ask Tom for a cocktail? No, just one. Nick, do you want one? Yeah, anything that's cheap for him. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Thanks. Yes. Cheap brown? Cheap brown, please. I'm good. Yeah. Um, I mean, what got you to the place that you wanted to go to culinary school at all? Because I was a horrible student. Same. Yeah, yeah, Horrible student. (laughs) The only thing I liked to do was cook. When I was in school, high school, I went to uh, Nova High School. I graduated uh, uh, in my third year there. I never, uh, I didn't become a senior. So I excelled not because I was good, but because I took all these extra classes to get out. And I remember I... Boys in those days had to go to woodshop class. Oh yeah, um, I don't think they have that anymore. I think my high school has it again. Do really? Yeah, yeah. They Tra- br- they brought back like trades, they like, they have, which is great. They have a culinary yeah. program now that you know, like I've, you know, kind of given them yeah. some guidance with and stuff. And I think they brought back like woodshop, you know, which and, is great. Yeah, it's it's yeah. cool. I mean, I I love my high school, so it's good to see them do those things. So I hated woodshop. I was deathly afraid of the uh, saw. Bandsaw. Yeah. yeah, and I remember saying to my mother, "You got to get me out of this. You got to go tell them I'm, I, I, I can't do this." And uh, I said, "I want to be in home ec." And I remember my mother, you know, went to the school and said, "You know, my son can't do it, and he should be able to do home ec." And they didn't take boys and blah blah blah. Right. But long story short, I did it. I excelled in it. Uh, the teacher told my parents that I had, you know, some talent in the kitchen and that they should look into sending me to the Culinary Institute of America, which my parents had never heard of. Um, Hyde Park, right? Hyde Park. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only one at that time. The only one. It was the only one. So this is late 70s. This is mid mid to late 70s at that point. Um, And I love the idea of going to the CIA because I was deathly afraid of taking my uh, SATs. Mm. My older brother was incredibly smart and graduated, went to Cornell. Oh. And I was afraid about taking SATs and failing. So right. the thought of going to the culinary and not having to take an SAT was it for me. So I applied, got in, got you know, was on a work-study program, and uh, that was really the beginning of my career. Yeah, I actually did uh, a seminar at the CIA in California. Um, Greystone. In, in December. It's a beautiful campus. Beautiful campus, yeah. It's very interesting for me, like me not being a huge proponent of like, culinary school in general to see how schools work um you know i mean that was like a really big i mean i went to like a 14-month program that no longer even exists and that school was just like i mean it was massive it was like an actual like college campus you know somebody wrote to me over the weekend and she said you know i i i don't know her um but she's been you know been around and followed my career and she said you know she's having a career change and she wants to become a chef and have her own restaurant. Should she go to school? And I said, no. And I said, I'm not telling people that I don't think school is good. But I said, if you want to learn, I said, I think you work in a restaurant. Yeah. You work from the ground up. I said, there's no better experience. No school can teach you that. And that's what I would do. Yeah, I think, you know, because I get posed that question all the time. And it's like, uh, it's that whole thing of like, well, I really like, my family loves my lasagna. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's cool, you know, and that's great. So, well, I, re- I really want to be a chef. I'm like, are you sure? It's like, or I really want to work in a restaurant. And what I tell people all the time is like, before you go and you drop 50 grand a year mm-hmm. on a school, right? Just go and you could make fucking nothing. You could make a minimum wage. Sure. It doesn't matter. But do it for four months before you get yourself 100 grand into debt. 
And, and that's really like the biggest thing. Now you go into some, you know, not all schools are created equal. It's the same thing with any school in general. I'm sure that there's really good culinary schools out there that maybe are a little more in depth, but there's nothing like learning hands-on from someone that's been doing it for a long time. And then you're forced to do the same thing. Absolutely. And you know, what I didn't learn in school, I learned during my externship. I had probably, you know, really one of the great externships, uh, which really got me, you know, into the catering and event planning. Uh, but I get emails all the time, people wanting to be chefs. And, you know, what I'm afraid about is people's idea of a chef is a Bobby Flay and a Rachel Ray. Yeah. They want to be TV people. Right. And I think there's a, there's a big difference. And Bobby may not be a good example since he is a real chef. Right. Well, I mean, Bob, I mean, he's got great restaurants. He has great restaurants. Along, he's a great along chef. With, along with his kind of like commodity Bobby's Burger House restaurants, yeah. he's also got really good restaurants he's too. a good bobby's a great chef he, yeah. you know I, I listen i'm not saying they're not all good cooks but bobby's a, and bobby would consider himself a cook but you know i'm afraid that people want to become bobby and emerald or a guy and that's the difference thanks to our sponsor aganorsa leaf cigars Aganorsa Leaf is renowned throughout the world for its signature flavor that possesses all the great attributes of Nicaraguan terroir, along with classic Cuban aroma and flavor. Aganorsa Leaf is pleased to announce a brand new edition of Guardian of the Farm, Cerberus, named after the mythical three-headed hound that stood watch at the gates of Hades. This exciting new Nicaraguan puro uses 100% Aganorsa leaf tobacco and is wrapped in Aganorsa's new Corojo 2012 cover leaf, which adds a level of complexity to the blend, adding light spice and a rich, smooth body to the blend. When you smoke one of our world-class blends, you will experience the difference between ordinary tobacco and Aganorsa leaf. That's why we say our leaf is our strength. Learn more about Aganorsa leaf and use their store locator and find a cigar shop near you that carries their products at www.aganorsaleaf.com. The two of us smoke Aganorsa Leaf cigars often. We also offer them to a lot of our guests, like, for example, Dave Arvello, who every time I post a picture of a, a Cerberus mentions to me in my DMs or in a text how cool the band is, which it actually is a pretty slick-looking band. Um, but also, I just want to note a little personal anecdote here so it's not all totally straight-up red. I can say that uh, Michael Beltran will absolutely not only vouch for the quality of Aganorsa cigars. Yeah. But you met a uh, Miami legend and handed him an Aganorsa cigar. I did meet uh, uh, a Miami legend. I was smoking nearby Alonzo Morning, and we had a conversation about cigars, and he handed me one of his, and I went inside. I bought this exact same cigar, and I handed Alonzo Morning this Aganorsa cigar, and I said, try this. Thank me later. I mean, if that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. Aganorsaleaf.com. Thanks to our sponsor, The Barrel. This is a barrel-style cooker you've heard a good amount about on uh, the podcast. I was able to use it a ton in my yard and loved it. It is a unique design, a conversation piece, and most importantly, at least to me, an easy-to-use cooker with loads of capacity for ribs, chicharrón, chicken, cheese, fish, burgers, and that is just a list of the stuff that I was cooking all at once in a cooker not much wider than I am, although I'm pretty wide these days. Mike, not long ago, we took some time during a podcast to cook with the barrel in the garden behind Ariet. So tell listeners about uh, all of that while I roll some footage of the cook for the video people. Very intrigued by the design and how like the actual chicken was going to come out. I 
would have loved to actually cook more than one thing in there, but the chicken came out delicious. It was very quick, too. And we only didn't cook more because it was just the two of us at that point. Right. So Just the... Anyways, I think about it, too, like the home cook that's going to cook this, and maybe they have four people at a table. Maybe they have six. Like, you could cook a good amount of things because we also cooked some veg on there on the top grill, and then we cooked the chicken underneath it. You know, the vegetables were delicious, and they cooked incredibly fast, uh, and the chicken itself was delicious. We used a whole green circle bird, um, trust tied and just hung that thing and it was really really good times get all of the information that you need and of course buy your own barrel at barrel the bbq.com barrel the bbq.com and use promo code pangong10 that's p-a-n-c-o-n one zero for one hundred dollars off a hundred dollars of your order when you buy the barrel a hundred dollars a hundred dollars you know I saw a barrel the kids, I- the kids call it a, a c-note I <laughs> I saw the barrel at a place the other day. Oh, yeah. That's right. You sent me a picture. Yeah. And I was telling everyone around it that was looking at it. I said, don't buy it here. Don't buy, you, it. Don't you, buy it online. Don't be a dummy. And hit Pancon 10 and you're going to save yourself 100 bucks. They said, what? I said, yeah, do don't, it. And they were like. be a sucker. And then the kid just run, ran out. Oh, man. He just ran straight out of the store. Peeled and, out in his car. Yeah. Straight to, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was on it. Barrel the bbq.com promo code pankong 10 for $100 off c note introducing the newest line from jura state cigars 20 acre farm is a complex refined and medium body cigar with a super oaky and cedary notes accompanied by a whisper of white pepper and a bright hint of citrus built at la gran fabrica Drew Estate in Nicaragua using a velvety, and I mean velvety, Ecuadorian Connecticut shade grown wrapper. Under that wrapper is a sun-grown Habano binder and a filler blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa in perfect balance with the opulent and majestic Florida sun-grown leaf. Florida sun-grown is also the name of the farm where that tobacco is lovingly grown and harvested by Jeff Borshwicks, who's the guy you see in this video playing behind us. Uh, on his pristine 20-acre plot of land near the central Florida town of Claremont. I have actually been to that farm, along with plenty of other cigar tobacco farms in Mexico, Central America, and the Dominican Republic. And what Jeff, who, by the way, is a very nice guy, there's actually a cigar box signed by Jeff hanging on my wall. Uh, What Jeff is doing there is super legit. Uh, So it's always cool to see products like his, which is the only premium cigar tobacco grown in Florida, um, in products from a company like Drew Estate. Plus, 20 Acre Farm being a Drew Estate product means it's the creation of Master Blender and Pancom podcast guest, Willy Herrera. Support our guests and sponsors. Get it online. Ask your local cigar shop about 20 Acre Farm by Drew Estate. Learn more about Drew Estate and use their store locator to find a cigar shop near you that carries their products at DrewEstate.com. That's right. I'm probably going to smoke one of those right now. I, what are we waiting for? Well, Emerald's another example, too, because Emerald was, you know, he was a banger. I mean, Emerald in kitchens, like he... Absolutely. Obviously, like me coming up uh, under Norman for so long, I know all the Emerald stories, and like Emerald was like the guy that... He was a troublemaker. Yeah, he yeah. was the one. He got kicked out of school, and then he went into kitchens, and he did all things. It's just like the. I think the chef journey for everyone is very, very different. Oh, look at this angel. 
I'm talking about using that shocker. It's the first time that's ever been used to describe me. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Um, and you know, like the and and then also when you become like when you get into the industry, even if you decide that you want to cook, you could go into different facets of cooking. Um, you know, Nick's sister is a food scientist, right? She works for Red Baron. I, fi- I always find that very interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it works for for Schwann. Schwann, which Schwann. makes right. yeah, Schwann. yeah, it makes she works. She does. Uh, she's in their uh, product development kitchen in in Salina, Kansas. That's why everyone in Salina listens to us, right? And that's pretty much our entire that's, audience. That's where we have our, our biggest market share <laughs> listeners yeah. per capita. Per capita. Yeah. So, and then, you know, you could go into catering, you could go into small mom and pop places, you can go into chain restaurants. It's, I think the world of food is very different for everybody, but you have to really understand the restaurant world to then say, I want to do this for the next 30 years. And who would want to do it? I mean, it's, I, I think it's the most thankless. I, I mean, I, you know, psychos. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> you know, people ask me all the time, do I want, you know, the Baca restaurant? Do I, you know, whatever? I'm like, I wouldn't want to do a restaurant again. Mm. I, I I can't imagine under what terms I would do a restaurant. You know, I owned three restaurants on South Beach. I had a club on South Beach. Don't I, get ahead of yourself. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll but I, there. I I would have no desire to do that today. And you know, Bobby used to say to me all the time, "In ten years, there'll be no restaurants left." Oh man! And you know what? He may to open a restaurant today and to return the money, the investment. I, I just don't see how people do it with the cost today. Woo! It, it, you know, that's you a whole at, other podcast. It, 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 well, it, <laughs> we yeah, don't have I mean, enough time for let, all let that. Let me tell you, you look, you look at um, prices in a restaurant. Yeah. Um, uh, you, listen, you're always going to have that one percent or the first, the top five percent who are eating out regularly. Yeah. But the question is, where are your waiters going to live? Mm. You know, rents have gone up so drastically. Cooks Everything also. has gone up. Your yeah. waiters, your cooks, your dishwashers, your valet parker. I don't know where anyone's going to live anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think that the industry has changed a ton. I think that the economics of restaurants is going to change. Yeah, I think the well, it mo- has to change. The models of restaurants are going to change. You know, um, us as a company, we've entertained changing models over the last couple of years because you know it's not something we're not Danny Meyer, right? So we can't change the thing overnight. Like Danny Meyer tried to, right. and Danny Meyer does. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, and, he, and you know he's had failures and he's had some success, but I mean he's at the level that he can do stuff like that when you have like forty-five Shake Shacks, right? To like back you financially, which is why he's right. only doing Shake Shacks today, right? You, you bring Danny a deal. I've spoken to him many times when people ask me, you know, does Danny want to do a restaurant? He only wants to do a Shake Shack because mm-hmm. it's the only way he's making money. And I totally get it. I think you know the way it shakes out. I mean, obviously we have several locations. You know, the industry, I think, is still healthy. Do I think that the industry needs to be addressed and maybe um, reformulated? Sure. You know, I think it's broken. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fundamental ideology of a restaurant, is it broken? I mean, I don't know if it's broken, but it's the only thing that I know. I don't think the idea of running a restaurant is broken. I think people's perception of a restaurant, you know, people going to a restaurant on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, whatever night you're busy, and they see a busy restaurant, a packed bar, mm-hmm. and people think, oh my God, they're making so much money. Oh, I'm yeah, like, these people must be rich. I'm like, yeah. no one's making money. Yeah, yeah. I said, at best, you're, you know, support, you're paying your bills. Yeah. The days of making big money in a restaurant, unless you're a sexy fish, but even in that case, oh, I don't know. Fish. Yeah, that's another yeah. conversation. I don't know how, you know, how to, you know, with that build out, whether the, whether the number is 30 million, 40 million, 47 million. Can I tell you yeah. my thoughts? 
And this is totally just about these gigantic, because uh, we don't specialize in, like our biggest restaurant's 115 right. seats, right? And that to me is big. You know, like everything for me, I like 60, 70. Obviously sure. the, the diner is like 115-ish, uh, but it's a diner, so it's okay. Um, you know, a lot of those deals are a lot of people getting in bed with a lot of people. And then you have a management company on top and they're just making a big on top and that's all they give a fuck well, about. Rich people want to invest in a restaurant because they want to go in. Because they want to go and say that they own They shit. want to take their girlfriend in and say, get a table and be able to sit at the bar for four hours and right. then go to a table. I all get six of their girlfriends, they want to take yeah. all of them with the Russian oligarchs and stuff over at Sexy Fish and then they do. And then the company that manages it, they're just taking, you yeah. know, a cut off the top. And, that, yeah. and when, you, when you're doing whatever 200 grand a week in sales and you're taking 10 percent off the top then good for you yeah absolutely it's not you know, you know uh, but then when the investors are looking it's like why are these people making so much money we're not making fucking uh, of anything. course yeah that time i think the time of that is going to come to an end eventually right. miami is the perfect market for that because everything here is smoke and mirrors right yeah. everything is like glitz and glamour and doesn't make any fucking sense but the small mom and pop stuff and even though we are a company right and we have kind of that model right. we're still the owners of all sure. our restaurants so it's like you know, and we do smaller things. Like we're not necessarily like worried about having hundred thousand dollar weeks mm. or forty thousand dollar Fridays. Right, right. We just want to run a solid business, no. and I think that's why. Like those things. Like I look, Sex Fish had to cost over twenty million dollars mm. to build. It's impossible for it to cost any less. The way that I look at it, with all the stuff and then the mermaids and the yeah. things. Like there's no way that that thing costs less than twenty million dollars. I, I I think if it costs twenty million, we're on the low side. That's, I mean, the number out there is thirty five million, but so let's say it's twenty eight million. It's a big but number. Then, but then you have places like Mila. Right. Like Mila builds that, right. then they absolutely fucking annihilate yeah. it. They pay everyone back in the first year, and now they're gonna do more things. Yeah. There's some things that actually work, but there's a lot of shit that doesn't. You know, when you're talking about Mila, you're talking about not you're talking about Mila, not Milos. Mila, Mila on Lincoln Road. Mila. On Lincoln Road. The, the one on the second... I've never been. It's the one on the oh, second floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. That one, you know, like, they did very well. You know, we know some people that in their group, and they're super happy, and people like it, and people go, but they spent a fuck ton of money on the build-out. Yeah. But it, it hit. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, it's Lincoln Road. Right. It's, it's on the second floor or something, right? It has a great view. Right. And, you know, other than Juvia, how many restaurants have a view? Man, and Juvia's still there. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I don't know that for a fact. But I think so. I haven't heard it then. Not that's there. a good point. I, yeah. I don't know that for a fact. Yeah, I feel shitty for saying that. Nick, yeah. can you look it up? Sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I interesting. I don't know. I mean, you don't think of going there. Well, I mean, it's on like the fifth floor of a parking lot. Yeah, you don't know it. You know, right. I, I think having a restaurant where you can't see it from the street is a mistake. It just, well, it also need it needs a lot of it needs a lot of attention. Yeah. It needs a lot of care for a restaurant like that to make it. But, but Mila, it, like granted, Mila, I didn't hear a ton about. Yeah. And then it opened and it was like wildfire and then people like it as well and it's like cool I was there when it first opened I haven't been there since I went for brunch a few weeks ago and it was great Good. the uh, research department says Juvia is open and uh, will open again 5.30 on Wednesday look at that look at that Look at that, guys support Juvia on the fifth floor of the Lincoln Road parking lot which is a nice parking lot and built by some crazy cool architect right Robert Winnick there you go 11-11 yeah. see there um, alright so after culinary school then you went into FIU, yeah. went to work at the Bahia Mar, got transferred up here to the Omni Hotel. Yeah. Opened the Pavion Hotel, which was now the Intercontinental Hotel. Oh, yeah. That's the one in the corner. Of yeah, the old marble. Yeah, with now with the lady dancing. Exactly. That's how I know it. Dancing. It's the lady dancing Yeah, you're hotel. absolutely right. Um, then went to work for David Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Paul was the president and CEO of Centrust Bank. 
remember that built you know the building downtown that changes color yeah so david hired me to be the evp of administrative services which meant i opened up the restaurant and the banquet space in the building brought in you know trust house forte to run it and uh work with im pay and designing it so that was a great that was really you know it kind of took me to the next league of you know uh in my career david paul was an incredible work experience at this point you're like full-fledged into events and organizing yeah. and execution yeah food and beverage uh i mean i've always been food and beverage but into so from Centrust Bank, I uh, went back to Intercontinental Hotels at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, they asked me to come back, and I, they hired me as the food and be- the VP of Food and Beverage Worldwide. Mm. So I uh, went back to Intercontinental Hotels, opened up all their properties in Australia and in Paris and in London and Madrid, and stayed with them for 20 years Wow! from there. So wow. I actually left Intercontinental in 2000. The last day of 1999, and started with Southern Wine and Spirits in 2000. Isn't that Y2K? Isn't that what well, it that was Y2K? Y2K. Yeah, that was Y2K. Wow, we made it yeah. through it too. Yep, we're still here. Yeah, 22 years later. Yeah. So we when you it. think about my, you know, I kind of when I talk about my career, I kind of talk about Intercontinental for 22 years and Southern now for 22 years. So that's 44 years of my working career. I mean, that's a chunk. It's a chunk. Yeah, yeah it's a chunk. So Southern, how what was that like in 2000? 2000. So when I turned 40 in 1999, I guess, um, I wrote a letter, may have been the last letter letter I ever wrote, um, to Wayne Chaplin, who I knew. He, He was the, I guess, president of the company at that time. And I said to Wayne, you know, hey, I've been doing this for 20 years. I could probably stay here 20 more years, but I've had it. You know, if you think there's a need for someone with my experience... Um, you know, let's get together. Wrote him a letter, totally forgot about it. Again, this is pre-iPhone, pre-computers, right, pre-cell right. phone. Yeah. Forgot about the letter. <clears throat> a few months later, I get a call from Wayne one day. He said, let's have breakfast. And we had breakfast, actually, in the lobby of the Intercontinental Hotel. Breakfast is a strong move. People usually say lunch. Yeah, no, no, we had breakfast. Yeah, yeah. I don't do lunches. Uh, we had breakfast. Um, spoke for about an hour. Talked about what I could do and what he thought I could do. And... That was it. Didn't hear from him for, again, a few months. Ah. Get a phone call. Again, this is two or three months later. Right. And somebody who was running Florida for Southern Wine at the time asked me to meet him for lunch at the Delano. Mm-hmm. And we had lunch. And at the end of lunch, he's saying, well, when are you starting? I said, well, starting what? He says, well, Wayne says you're joining us. I said, <laughs> I said, I, I, we didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about a real job or what I'm doing. He said, no, Wayne wants you to start. And that was really the beginning of my career with Southern. Amazing. So in Southern, in 20, 2000, they were in 13 states. They had 6,000 employees, and they were the world's largest distributor of alcohol. 22 years later, they're in 44 states. Yeah. You know, and they're still the largest. It's just, yeah. you know, it's all relative. Yeah, they're definitely the juggernaut of yeah. that industry for sure. Yeah. And so, I don't know, 22 years, that's a lot to take in. What were some of the ups downs all arounds i mean i mean that's a that's a long career for anyone in yeah one place i mean you did it in two places two places yeah. yeah so what was like the beginning of that to now do you know i remember starting at southern right after the new year in 2000 coming in and I remember coming into the reception she goes who are you and of course there was no office no desk no one knew i was starting there was no hr department at those days and i, I remember thinking what a mistake I made 
And there was, I was like shown to this little shoebox of an office. I'm like, what am I doing? And I remember the first weekend that I had off because it was, a, you know, a Monday through Friday job. And I had off on a weekend. I'm like, I didn't know what to do. And I remember thinking it was the biggest mistake of my life. I didn't, I didn't have friends who didn't work in the hotel. Right. Every one of my friends was a, a, a banquet manager, a F&B director, a marketing director. Opposite lives from a nine-to-five. Totally. Yeah. And the first three months, I was so depressed yeah. not having anything to do that. on a weekend. Yeah, yeah. I was so used to going in at 10 o'clock and going home and changing and coming back at nighttime for an event. And it was really different for me. And getting out of work at 11. And yeah, and going out of, you, yeah, you got out of work at 11 to 12 o'clock. And that's when your day, that's when your night started. Yeah. I you mean, know, you went for drinks, you went to the deuce and you know, those oh, were different days. The deuce. I just bought a jacket from the deuce. Yeah. Those are, those are really different days. <laughs> Yeah, so, the deuce uh, is even different now yeah. than it was back then. You know, I really started the festival because I didn't know what I was doing at Southern. I had no real responsibility. They didn't say, you're doing this, that. And I'm like, I better do something to justify, you know, the spend from them to show them I can do something. Mm. And that's really how it happened. So how long... How long has the festival been running? 22 years. Oh, so it's the whole 22 it's, years. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm actually going on my 23rd year at Southland. So Amazing. 20, yeah. Were there any other ones in the country before that? Sure. Aspen. Oh, Aspen. Yeah, the, the Aspen Food and Wine Classic. And the real story is that <clears throat> I went to Aspen um, for a birthday gift. Friends took me. Do you know Stephen Reichland, the barbecue Bible yeah, yeah. guy? Stephen and his wife are great friends of mine. And they took me to Aspen for a birthday gift probably 24 years ago. And I remember leaving Aspen saying, wow, this is really incredible. Mm. And the only thing better than being in the mountains would be being on the beach. Sure. And that's really how the idea came. And I remember being on a plane and, again, pre-iPhones and taking notes and writing down what I think South Beach could be, what Aspen could be on the beach. How does that one, how does that one differ than this one? Just because I've never been. So. Well, imagine well, you've never been to South Beach. Of course I have. <laughs> um, Aspen, imagine it's 1,000 people. Uh-huh. Well, a thousand rich people spending big money, you know, so it's much smaller and much more exclusive. Mm. Um, small numbers. It's a so small it's, community. So you're talking about like the festivals? The like, festival. It's only a thousand people. A thousand people. They sell oh, a man. thousand bands. That's drastically different. Yeah, so a thousand, you know, we sell a thousand tickets to a midsize event. Right. Yeah, so totally different. You know, people go to Aspen to be educated and have fun. People come to South Beach to have fun and have fun. Right. No, yeah, that one. Yeah, I know. different. Yeah. Um, Wow, what's the ticket to add to the Aspen one cost? It's probably thirty five hundred today. So not incredible. I mean, it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense if there's only a thousand yeah, people. Thirty five. But the issue is, you have to get to Aspen, which is a pain in the neck. I've never unless, been. Yeah, unless you have a private plane, you have to change in Denver. Wow. The flights are always delayed, and if the weather is bad, which is eight out of ten times, you then have to drive and rent a car. Oh wow! And then the hotels are very expensive, and they still do it. Still do it. Forty years deep. Yeah, forty years deep. Yeah. Wow. So 22 years of the festival. Tell me what year one was like. Small. Um, <clears throat> Stephen Reichland, you know, we just spoke about him. Um, he was the only celebrity that I knew at that time. So we created the barbecue event mm-hmm. called um, Bubble Q for Stephen Reichland. So yeah, that still exists. It still exists. Yeah, that still yeah, exists. It still exists. It's been, you know, the first year was 300 people at $75. A person, yeah, and we thought it was amazing. You know, we didn't have tents; it was all out there. 
beautiful weather and Stephen brought in American Indians and they did salmons on the beach all the way down the beach and cool. these of Dean Faring and Bobby Flay who was famous for Barbara uh, at Dean that time. Fearing. What yeah. a legend. Yeah, well, legend. Legend. Yeah, he what was just legend. here again. Uh, he, maybe last year at the festival. I've never met him. I just yeah. know like he's one of the he's great. American culinary like trailblazers. Yeah, no, he's that... great. He's like that Jonathan Waxman era. Right. Yeah, right. my favorite. You know, uh, yeah. that kind of whole so you're one small, small. Maybe they, they, you know, we had a maybe we had a thousand people, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, it kind of we knew we were onto something. We didn't know what we were onto. We never had a five year plan. We didn't have a marketing department. It was kind of really me out of my desk and a few friends of mine who helped build it. And you know, by year two, the end of year two, we doubled or tripled in size. So we're up to fifteen hundred, two thousand people, whatever it was. And we knew at that point you know, that we were onto something and had a focus and, you know, bringing people to help us and grow it the right way. Well, 20 years ago, Miami was also very different. Well, Miami was different. You remember, you know, when you think about it, when we started the best of the best event, you know, I think 15 years ago, we started the best of the best event for one reason, because Burger Bash was so popular mm-hmm. that we needed to figure out where to put these people. Sure. You know, all the people, you know, once Burger Bash was sold out, people didn't know what to do on a Friday night. That's why we created Best of the Best. In the old days of Best of the Best, we had to fly in the chefs because other than a Hetty Goldsmith, a Mark Militello, a Norman Van Aken, a Chef Allen, those were our celebrity chefs. Michelle. M- Michelle, of course. Absolutely Michelle. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, but uh, Cindy Hudson. Mm-hmm. You know, so it used to be if we had 30 or 40 chefs, 30 of them were flown in and 10 of them were local. Now you barely have to fly in anyone. I mean, the level of talent here today and the level of restaurants. I mean, look at where we are today, twenty you know, twenty two years later to where we you know were then. Well, I mean, twenty years ago, again, like you said, you have like the Mango Gang, right. pretty much. That's exactly. There and were two restaurants on the beach. You ate at the Forge on Forty First Street, or you ate at Joe's. Right. And there was nothing in between the forty blocks. Right. You know, now you in between. You know, there must be two hundred good restaurants. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely 200 restaurants. Right. I mean, maybe not good. Yeah, I think it's strong saying that 200 yeah. are good, but yeah. like the there, it's there's the, 200 there's 200 restaurants to eat at on the beach for sure, at least, and probably more. You know, a lot of mom and pop places. You know that people don't. You know, people you know still think of the beach as uh, well. You know, today you think of the beach, you still think of Joe's, you still think for of, sure. Uh, you know, that's the most iconic restaurant there a hundred years ago. Yeah, we have, we have a location on the beach. Yeah. We have a, a bar on the beach. So we know like the trend and we know the area pretty well. And it's, it's interesting because you have like some really great stuff yeah. and you have some really shitty stuff. Well, we, people like me who live in the Gables now, you know, I live, you know, two minutes from here. Yeah. We used to go to, when I moved to the Gables eight years ago, we used to go to the beach to eat. There was nothing here. Right. There was nothing here. The big restaurant, you know, I tell a story that when we moved to the Gables, <clears throat> the only restaurant was um, Hillstone. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to Hillstone the first week we moved here and not being able to get a table. For sure. It's still kind of like that. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, like that. I can go to any restaurant in the world and get it, and I can't get into a Hillstone. I remember emailing the national accounts team at Southern saying, I need a hookup. I said, because three nights in a row I couldn't get in this place. Yeah, I believe it. And, you know, and I still go there. You know, uh, I, I mean... I talk about Houston's all the time. Like, I love them. I think that they're great. And I think that they do a great job. And, you know, like... Consistently? Yeah. For a chain, the food is fantastic. But that's it. Consistently for a chain. Yeah. They nail it every time. Yep. The service is not quite personable or like... (laughs) They're robots. Endearing, but it is robotically like perfect. No, no, no. It's it's robots. It's like going to a Stepford Wife restaurant. But... Yeah. 
you know what? <laughs> yeah. You can order that dip and the, the rotisserie chicken where it's the artichoke dip or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 8,000 calories. Um, yeah. And the rotisserie chicken. Well, that's chicken why they and, changed the name, right? That's why they changed that because they had to put the calories. Once right. you have above 20 restaurants, you have to put calories on. Right. And yeah. nobody wants to know how many calories are in the spinach dip I, listen, or on the ribs. No, you, the ribs are like 20,000 calories. I know, but they're so fucking it's, good. It's like, um, what's that, Three Guys Burger at LaGuardia. I remember. Uh, I've never I, been. Uh, LaGuardia Airport. Yeah. So when you go to LaGuardia, they have like four, four places to eat. And all of a sudden, they had to put their calories up there. So you go to Three Guys Burgers. Three Guys or Four Guys? What, Three Guys? Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden the calories were there so you stopped having the double you had a single you stopped having large fries and you had small you didn't have the milkshake and yeah. <laughs> once they put those calories on actually when they started when they implemented that rule or that law yeah. or whatever I was in college yeah. and I lived down the street from a Hardee's and uh, I lived in a house with four other football yeah. players and you know Hardee's was yeah, like our sure. thing we'd just go down the street to Hardee's and we would like eat and I remember obviously like you know you weight train, yeah. you work out, just trying to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And fuck, man, I remember they had this big sign and it had the burgers and stuff and then it had the calories and I was like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's the most disappointing to look at calories when you're hungry. I know, but they're delicious. Yeah. I mean, those Hardee's burgers were delicious. Yeah. So I don't ever, I, I won't, I, I won't take it back yeah. for anything. So what were, in the 22 years, what were some of the peaks and what were some of the valleys of the festival? You know, I, I think... The peaks were that we're here 22 years later. Yeah. That's I, I, I think, you know, people always say, what are you most proud of? I mean, I think just to be around 22 years later mm. um, and to, you know, I we, we by no means take any credit for South Florida becoming a culinary des- destination. We take credit for being here while it happened and recognizing some of the talent. And, you know, you know, during that festival time, people come in, they buy thousands of dollars worth of tickets but they go out for dinner you know so you, you go into the burger bash or the best of the best of the barbecue and at 8 30 you're going to carbone for dinner now on the beach or something like that i never yeah. understood it i, I yeah. you know i don't get that uh, so you know we've kind of watched you know the rise of food and beverage you know what unfortunately today everyone's an expert everyone's a critic you know everyone's a yelp expert um and uh, so it's been interesting to watch the demographic you change. guys get yelped too i'm sure I don't, oh, yeah. never, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not on Yelp. You know. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I know that Yelp, Yelp has like the uh, Yelp events get yelped by oh. Yelpers. Oh, so I'm sure. I'm sure we get. Yelped. I'm, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure that Sobe gets yelped by I'm, something. I'm sure. Yeah, we get. You know, uh, we you know we get good and bad all the time. Um, I, I think you know when you talk about being around 22 years later. I think when you talk about raising 37 million dollars for student scholarships at Florida International University. When you talk about some of the highs, like, you know, the king and queen of Spain coming or a tribute dinner honoring Alice Waters, you know, presented by, you know, Jamie Oliver or, you know, a lot of the talent honoring Charlie Trotter and having Ferran Adria here. Those are highlights for me. You know, I I think that, you know, unlike Art Basel, which I think is, you know, the biggest thing in the city, Art Basel existed before Miami, Mm. meaning they came from Basel. So they had that name. We had nothing. So, you know. I view the festival as kind of our creation, my team and, and my creation. So, you know, when you start from nothing, it's different. I wasn't an employee. I, I mean, I'm an employee, but I started it. So I view the festival and I take it a lot more personal than someone working on another festival someplace else. It's my baby. It's my kid. Sure. You know, I can gauge my life by the festival the same way people who have a kid 
where, you know, you know where, when your kid turned five, what you were doing in your life, or when your kid was 13, what you were doing. You know, I know what I was doing by the festival. Yeah, I mean, we're, this is my kid. Right, I, I get it. Yeah, this is my child. Now yeah. I have eight of them. Well, so, that's right. Yeah. You know, it's a, a, I understand it's just like a little bit different because restaurants are different. Right, but sure. Similar as like it's, um, you know, everything that you have to deal with people is kind of like always similar, but they're all different in variations. So, so what were some of the valleys? Oh, the early days when we used to get slammed. You know, for long lines and running out of food and not enough seating and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, we used to have a festival in the early days and get hundreds of texts after the festival or emails, whatever they were in those days, and complaining about something. You know, yeah. how could we charge this price and run out of food? How can we do this and not have enough? You know, what do you mean you're a wine and food festival and you ran out of wine? Or what do you mean there are no restrooms or we have to lose a tent? I mean, you know, you know, I gauge success. Somebody asked me the other day how I gauge success. You know, at the end of a festival, if you don't get, you know, if I get three complaint letters, that's a success for me. Right. The fact that we raise money is great. The fact that we've created this awareness for the hospitality school down here is great. But I think it's a fact that, you know, we're at a destination that brings thousands of people to South Florida every year in February and that we, you know, spawn the sister festival in New York. I think that's how I gauge success. Tell me the... Um... A little bit about the one in New York, because that one I've actually never been to. The festival in New York, it will be 15 years this year. Hmm. Uh, we're always around the middle of October, right around Columbus Day, um, where South Beach kind of profiles the best of the beach and things like that. New York does the piers and the West Side Highway. And we have, you know, signature events like a Burger Bash and like a taco event and 35 different dinners. And, you know, New York, it's really easy to get talent because in October is when cookbooks come out. Mm. So, you know, Adelenge is on tour. Uh, Mauro Calagreco is on tour. They're all launching books because October is prime cookbook month. So anyone who has a cookbook out wants to be there and sure. the publisher wants them there. So it's very easy to get talent. Well, I there. mean, that, that industry has changed quite a bit too, no? Oh, interesting though. And I had this conversation, you know, with uh, Random House. Um, cookbooks are probably one of the few books that are still selling well. For sure, because I mean, me obviously, I have like, I don't know, stupid right. like collection of cookbooks, right. all the way from like old vintage ones right. that I probably shouldn't open to like new ones and pre-order ones and ones that I find in like random stores, because I think cooking is something that's a little more hands-on. Sure. So you want the information to be more hands-on, and you know, I I like I I I can't read off of like a screen. Right. I don't, can you do that? Nick, I know you're 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 an intelligent person. You read things. I uh, I prefer to read from paper, but because um, I, I end up reading on screen sometimes, just because it's more convenient. It's easier to travel mm. and read that way. But I I like when I can. There's a lot of post its and pens and highlighters all over the place and that kind of stuff. You feel like the cookbook culture is still continuing to grow. Um. So I won't pretend to be as familiar as, as either of you, but the yeah. sense that I get, and I think that it, it, it also just kind of makes uh, some sense in my head, is that it's probably impacted by the internet the same way that a lot of other stuff is, that a cookbook needs to be a much richer experience to pull somebody away from just Googling recipes. Yeah. Yeah, we talk, I mean, you know, we've, uh, Nick and I have talked a lot about cookbooks, and some of my favorite cookbooks are the ones that are, a little more involved mm -hmm. as in like 
what's the life like mm. as opposed to just like there's a series of recipes, which is, I mean, I appreciate the series of recipes right. for sure, but I think like, so I find the cookbooks to be interesting, you know, like especially in today's day, it's like I get a lot more overseas cookbooks than I do local ones, you know, just because I feel like that's a market that I know very little about. Right. And I get a lot of cookbooks. People send them to me, publishers send them to me. Uh, you know, I don't use a recipe. I look at a recipe. So I'll kind of look at something, unless it's baking, which I'm a horrible baker, Same. and baking is very precise. So, you know, if you're off by a tenth of a teaspoon, it ruins your recipe. That's why it's so But I'll, I'll normally, you know, look at a recipe and say, oh, I can do that, and that's it. You know, I, I, I'll make it never the same, I'm sure, but it's my version of it. I, would, I do not have the patience to measure things out. Um, you know, quarter teaspoon cups. War, you know, uh, yeah. I kind of you kind of gauge. You know, I can look and tell you what two cups are or what a pint is and uh, a, a pinch of you know salt. Yeah, I mean, cooking is a little more of a feel, and and baking is more of a science. Uh, there's no question. I'm a I can't baker. I can't bake fucking anything. Yeah, no, no, no. I uh, you know I always say to Hetty Goldsmith, um, you know I I could never do what she does. I know she's Hetty so is the best. You know I hired Hetty. I brought her to, I brought her to Miami. Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I brought Hetty to Miami. I, uh, when I was running Centrust, she applied to be a restaurant manager. This is 35 years ago. Wow. Yeah, so I, I brought it to Miami. Not only that, but I introduced her to her uh, wife for probably 30 years. Heidi. Yeah, Heidi. I mean, Hetty was a great influence on me yeah, in my career. Yeah, she's the best baker. Yeah, she best, was, yeah. I mean, we spent a lot of time in the kitchen together, and she was she was great. Yeah. Have you been over to Abadale? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She yeah, did it's a great amazing. Job. Yeah, I mean, like, our bar is, like, Two blocks oh, you're from right there? there. Yeah, yeah. So whenever I go for like we do tastings during the day or meetings yeah. during the day, I'll go there for lunch. And yeah. also, Sam, I have a lot of respect for him too. He's, the nicest, the nicest. He is he's one in, of the he's incredible. Chefs in town. Yeah. I, I loved like the original uh, my ceviche, yeah, yeah, sure. and I love this. Which so yeah, he's he's one of the nicest people in town for sure, and super talented. Yeah, um, you know, I think working, he's great. Yeah. I think that that little corner has got some of the better food. Um, in that area because... So I, what's what's there? Planta is there. I've which, never been. Yeah, that one is pretty good. Yeah. You know, not like a... Ma it's not yeah. really my bag food-wise, yeah. but, you know... No, nor mine. I've never been to the one in the Grove either. Well, there you're not missing yeah. much. And yeah. then uh, and then they're right next to there. And then they have this weird little like Mediterranean place. Well, they have, the, they have the, uh, like Fuego de Chao too. Don't they have that steak? That well, then you have that whole strip yeah. that has... What is it? Biblos, Me right? Piblos or Milos? Milos at the end. Milos. The yeah. Uh, <coughs> there's like four restaurants yeah. there, and they're all pretty solid. And then you have Stubborn Seed in the corner, and then you have uh, our bar, which is a scapegoat that's okay. like right in the middle of that oh, block. Oh, scapegoat, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that, yeah. And then Prime Fish. Prime Fish is on, right. And then uh, well, the Prime new... Fish is where Nemo used to be. Right. Which is where Hetty got her start. Right, right. Yeah. With Frank Gennetti, right? Frank Gennetti and oh, Michael. Wow. Yeah. I worked Frank... for Frank. Frank, God, I haven't heard that name, right? Yeah, Frank hired me yeah. before Norman hired yeah. me. And I worked for Frank for, I don't know, like four months yeah. then Norman hired me. Yeah. So that was, uh, Frank yeah. was... I mean, a, that Sunday brunch at Nemo's was the best brunch in town. Yeah, I mean, that, that place has some serious history behind it, Nemo. Yeah, it really, it was fantastic. And then now you have the newcomers of the Carbones of the world that are down the street. Yeah, and Grutman, of course, which is, uh, I'm curious, uh, as a, uh, a real chef and restaurateur, your thoughts on those people coming to town? Oh, I mean, the same as everyone else. I mean, I guess. Like, I don't know. I I, um, I think Carbone seems to do, like, okay stuff. Yeah. You know? I think that, like, 
they're growing real fast yeah, yeah, yeah. and a lot. And I think it's going to be real tough to handle. But if they feel like they can, then well, it'll be interesting. Let's see one summer. You know, one summer like we're about to have, like a real, like a real, like a real summer. summer. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Last summer, I don't wish it on anybody, but I'm going to be very curious. You know, uh, well, you got to know how to weather it. You know, yeah. and I, I don't know if like newcomers really understand that they've heard about it, but seeing is believing. Yeah. Well, they're about to feel it. Yeah, yeah. When you get into the end of July and you know through. Labor Day, right? You know, until October. You know, it's a it's a different animal. Even October, like October is our third worst month. Really? Yeah. And then we like we don't see, like Thanksgiving is like we're back. Oh, it's not till Thanksgiving. I always say it's mid uh, Columbus Day weekend. Right? Yeah, I mean the Grove is interesting. Maybe yeah. this this year because the well, Grove when has got people more are back stuff. to school when the kids are in school. Right. You start to pick up. Well, I I also feel like the Grove has gone through like a big change. So I feel like maybe. May come a little earlier than before because oh, remember, like for the last sure. for the last yeah. six years that we've been here, there hasn't been fucking anything. No, here. you were the, you were the pioneer here. No, I don't know. I don't know well, quite that. I mean, you know, like Giorgio opened up Glass and Vine here six years ago. Also, I know he's not but at there the same anymore. at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, before you and Giorgio opened, what was here? Matt Kushner, locale. Oh yeah, I've never been. Yeah, I mean, you know, the next to me at work, you I eat at the Kush. Next to my office in Wynwood. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. that, I mean, think about like that locale has been there, I think, for 11 years. I didn't even know that. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, I, you know, obviously Matt's a good friend and like, you know, that was like. They're nice the, people, hardworking, nice people. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's solid and it's yeah. fun and it, and it's a good time. And yeah. I think Matt really cares about like what he does. So I think that, you know, locale, I would say that they were a huge trailblazer in this yeah. part of the city. And, you know, we came in doing fancier shit, you know, a few years later. And, you know, just like the glasses and vines of the world and what Giorgio was doing before. And I know he's not there anymore, but still. So what are, um, let's talk about how do you feel your relationship with the city is? Which city? This one. Miami or Miami Beach? Well, I mean, that's a loaded question. Yeah. I mean, I I look at them all as one, but I guess you would say Miami Beach first. Right. Best partners you can have. They've been incredibly supportive. Um, you know, we I always say that, you know, we get a hundred calls a year or emails or letters, people wanting to start a wine and food festival. And I say, what's the most, people want to know what's the most important thing? Partners. Sure. The city of Miami Beach wanted us. They still want us. They see the value of it, and they still support it. I think having a, the right partners is the most important thing. What about the city overall? Good, good. You Not, think? Yeah. Um, the mayors, the mayors have always been supportive. The commissioners have always been supportive. Um, we don't get funding from the city of Miami itself, where we do from. No, the you you make them money. Well, 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 listen, we we bring them business, which is making them money. Right. Yeah. What about the core of Miami, which is like the food and beverage community? Uh, what's the question? Yeah, I mean, how do you feel like your relationship is with them? It depends who you're asking. You know, uh, I have good friends in the business, mm -hmm. and I um, I have people who I'm not friendly with. I, I think like anything, I, you know, whether I was a, a doctor or whether you own the collection, you know, people like you or don't like you, and you know, you stop worrying about people liking or don't liking you, you know, as you get older. Yeah, it's important. Um, you know. I take what I do very personally, and I, we talked about creating, and creating yeah. is important. So many people think that I've gotten rich working off the festival, that I'm compensated or that I'm paid. I'm not, I'm not paid a penny. I am not paid one penny for producing the South Beach and New York Wine and Food Festival. 
I handle communications for Southern Wine and Spirits. I'm very well compensated. And the festival is one of my jobs. If we make $3 million a year, I get a nice thank you, meaning thank you. And if we, we lost a million dollars last year during COVID or two years ago, I'm not penalized. You know, I, I didn't get rich. My pockets are not lined with gold where people think, oh, he must make money. I don't. Mm. I, I'm just like, I don't know who to compare it to, but I'm just like a Sam Keller from Art Basel who was an employee. Um, you know, when you love what you do and do what you love and you're committed to something and you only want to do what you think is right, and it may not always be right, you take it very personally. Sure. So, yeah, I get I'm not as offended today as I was five, 10 years ago you know, about negative things or, you know, listen, I understand that not everyone likes me or likes what I do, but listen, it's my job and I don't like, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I never quite, you, you know, um, I, you know, I'm not in that chef community, but I have a lot of chef friends. I don't socialize with chefs. I mean, I'm not, not for no reason. Right. It's just not, you know, it's not, you know, I'm uh, 60 years old. I don't do, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't do what I used to do. Um, but, you know, I'm out. I support them. I, you know, uh, you know, during COVID, we tried. And I have to say, that was something that you really brought to my attention. And as soon as you did, and we're talking about, uh, you know, I, I think you reaching out to me, or I, maybe it was Larry Carino who said. We you know, talked. Yeah, we, I remember you and I spoke. I don't know. We did. I think Larry told me to call you or. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know how it started. Maybe. I don't know how it started. Larry is a, a great friend of mine. So Larry's the only publicist we've ever had at the festival. Yeah, I mean, and that's a good move by you. 20 years of South Beach, or 22 years, Russman and Carino is the only agency I've ever used. Yeah. New York City, I've changed seven times. Oh, no shit. <laughs> yes, at least seven times, maybe more. Right. Yeah. Well, the reason why I posed the question, and obviously, like, and, and I will say, I think equally so, like, I don't get, uh, I think being in this for, like, six years, which is not quite 22. Right. I get offended by very little, and I understand that there's lots of critiques on the shit that I do or the things that I say or whatever it is, but I think that in reality, the things that I do and say are because not only do I, I very much love like my child, right. but I love this city and this community yeah. very much. And, and I would say that, you know, and we did talk during COVID, and I, I do think that you guys did a really solid job in supporting the community, right? But I think furthermore, on top of that, like, there's obviously a disconnect from, and I always use football as a terminology, mm -hmm. this is what I understand, from my side of the ball and your side of the mm -hmm. ball, right? And I think that the biggest issue for me always is like, you got to think about it. I've been cooking for 17 sure. years, right? So you've been doing the festival longer than I, I've right. been cooking, right? Right. So for me, my entire career, it's always been like, well, Lee Schrager and Lee Schrager and Lee. So, okay. I mean, that's cool. Like he's like, um, and I told you this on the phone during COVID. You have the opportunity and you can be a champion for our industry, right? In a lot of ways. And for our city and our food and beverage community and the whole nine, right? Whether you want that or not, that's totally separate. And that's totally not the point. For me, the point is like, we look to you guys to support us as much as I feel like we've supported you, right? When and you I, say you, are you saying Southern Wine or are you saying the festival? The festival. Okay. I have like... I just want to... I know you, no, have, no, your, cause like, you have your own I, issues I, Well, let's, let, let's... Yeah, let's yeah. clarify that. Yeah. Like Southern, for me, is someone that I pay money to for booze. Right, right. Period. period. That's it. Like they don't, they don't provide anything else right. for me other than a service mm -hmm. that I need right. so I can drink it. Right. That's pretty much it. 
So for me, it's the festival. I get, Southern, I'll never be able to change. Right. That's t- totally different. Um, but like, I'm talking about the festival specifically. When I look at like the fact that this is something that it's in our backyard, it's something that, you know, it has a huge opportunity to prop up the community. And I'll tell you this because other people, I don't know if they don't have the time, they don't care to, or maybe they're just scared to. Yeah. Don't fucking tell you. Absolutely. They, they don't, they don't sit there and say, you know what? This needs to be yeah. rectified. This needs to be talked about. This needs to be figured out because yeah. right now, it's very one-sided, yeah. right? And for me, and shit, I mean, I think we've been at this now for like three and a half years, yeah. four yeah, years yeah. probably, of a hardcore disagreement. Uh-huh. And I can tell you that the core of the disagreement for me always comes to one simple fact. Me, I'm also a business owner. Right, right. And for me, I have a responsibility to 157 employees to make sure that they get fed, to make sure that they get their paychecks, to make sure that there's power in the building, make sure that we can serve people every single day, right? So when I look at like the opportunity to do an event, you know, is there a proper return on investment? Does the risk equal the reward, right? And then equally, let's say that the risk doesn't equal the reward quite safe financially. Is it going to put us in a place that I think is going to benefit the brand, right? right? I would tell you that you guys fall short there. And from several reasons. And I'll just tell you, like, you made the joke earlier, like, have you been to Sobe? I did Sobe for 11 years. My, pretty much my whole career. Right. Right. Work, I'm working for people. And then three times right, on yeah, my own. Right, right. Working for people, it's yeah. one thing. Right. Because you're like, yeah, it's cool. We get to go. We get to get out of the kitchen. We don't, need, right, to, right. We don't need to go to work today. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna, there's there's going to be a beer yeah. underneath the table. We're going to have a good time. You know, if we may be fighting it yeah. out for some water, but we have beer, so it's cool. Like, stuff like that. Yeah. But then when you become the owner, right, and then there's like a mountain of things you have to deal with. Then now you have to say, okay, our stipend for this event is 500 bucks. Okay. Nothing. I have to feed 2,000 yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Then on top of that, I need to take, let's say, three employees. Right. Then even before the day of the event, I need to spend a day prepping. Right. Then we need to package, we need to ship, we need to transport the whole thing. All of that included for 500 bucks. Now, me as a business person, I also know you can't pay everyone five grand. Right, right. I know you can't pay everyone 10 grand. I know you can't pay everyone 1500 bucks. But I also don't think that it's quite enough for me to say, we're being put up into a place that I say, okay, like the marketing here is actually going to make sense for me to do this. Right. And I think that this is where you guys honestly, I mean, don't say hurt yourselves, but like hurt your relationship with a lot of people in the industry. Right. Right. Because me, for sure, I voice my opinions. Right. I don't like things. Right. I tell you. I don't agree with things. I tell you. And I don't care. And it's not like a, it, to me, and I've told you this before, it's not a personal right. attack. It's like the system needs to be changed. Right. Just like you said that the restaurant system needs to be changed, the system of the festival should be addressed and needs to be changed. And I, if, no I, one, if no one says it. We don't know. We don't if know. We, if you always do what you've always done. You're always going to get what you always got. But let me tell you the other side of it. Let me tell you the other side of it. The other side of it, too, is like, and you probably don't see it this way, but I know it. Yeah. If we don't do it, we're left out. If we don't do it, they're not going to show us any more love. If we don't do it, then we're not part of the cool kids that are doing it. And me personally, like, and you know this from the last event that we tried to do together. I don't give three fucks about being one of the cool kids to do an event. I do not care. I can care less. For me, what matters is like, are we doing what it takes for us to be okay? Right. 
That's all I listen, care about. And that's the most important thing. Right. I no, I mean, I that. But my big issue is you have a publicist. We just spoke about Larry Carino. Yeah. He has never once said to me what your beef is. Well, yeah. I mean, but that's fine. But it's also a but conflict never, of interest, though. Well, listen. For him. I mean, he's also I, your publicist, too. He doesn't I, want to spurn that relationship either because you probably pay him a lot more than I do. Questionable. But, you know, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. Okay. Um, but he's... Do you know every year for the last six years, we do a PR roundtable? It takes place, uh, God, I don't know, probably now, around July, August. We invite every, it can't be August, I'm not here, July. We invite every publicist in town. We must get 40 or 50 people show up. Some agency sent two or three people. We started it six or seven years ago just to get the feedback from the publicists. Mm -hmm. And I remember every year I said, listen, I'll never make everyone happy. I'm never going to be everyone's friend. Tell me what we need to do. Sure. And we've gotten great feedback. And we have changed a lot of things. But listen, Larry sits at those meetings or has people at the meetings. He's never voiced it up. I mean, we started compensating. It's bullshit. 500 or 750. I, I get it. It's mm -hmm. almost insulting. Um, but if you paid every chef who participated or every restaurant 2500 Yes, it would mean that the festival, meaning that the university would make less money. Um, it's probably the right thing to do. I'm not disagreeing with you. Mm -hmm. You also open doors that can never get shut. For sure. With like that. You know, which is why if you did a Burger Bash event, the meat's donated. Right. The Martin's donating their potato or whatever they are, mm -hmm. rolls. Heinz is donating their ketchup. Yes, it's labor. It's leaving your place, you know, leaving your business. In my mind... The value is, or why you should be doing the festival, is you're a restaurant owner in town with multiple restaurants. Yep. It supports the hospitality school that you're going to, or using, hopefully, students from. Sure. And that it helped put South Florida, help, not did, on the map as a great culinary destination. Which I don't disagree with, right. but you have to look at the other side of that, right? So, like, if you're only paying the restaurant right. 500 bucks, and this is... I'm. I'm Exaggerating yeah. the the example, but is the restaurant going to be there if they're okay with only taking five hundred bucks to do an event for two thousand people tomorrow, so that employee can then work there? Well, you that know, means that they're making bad decisions from day one, right? It, it could very well. So here's a great example. Every year now, for the last three or four years that we've paid money, mm -hmm. um, I don't know what we pay. I think it's seven fifty or a thousand dollars now. Nothing. Last last time I did it, it was five hundred bucks. How was that? Four years ago. Whatever. I would so give or take. It, it's seven fifty or a thousand dollars now. Not changing your life, not changing the festival's life, you know. But that was the amount. at the end of a festival. Let's say we reimburse that if we had two hundred seventy eight chefs participating, mm -hmm. each entitled to get some compensation. What percent of the people do you think bill us back? Because you oh. have to send an invoice. Oh, I get no. I totally understand that. What percent? Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, follow, follow through with restaurants is not the best. What percent? I would say thirty percent. Higher, about 45. Yeah, 40%. Still, 40% is very low. It, it's it's nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. You know, every year we put in the budget, whatever the number is, we estimate, you know, that it's going to be two hundred and fifty dollars or $300,000 in billbacks. Every year we put that number in there. Mm -hmm. It's never even 50% of that money. Yeah. Yeah, it's never even 50% of the money. So here it's important. Yeah. But the majority of people, and do you know the ones who are doing it? Are not the Ariettes and it's not the Michael's Genuine and it's not, you know, Giorgio. 
it's the mom and pop, the canteen is where it really makes a difference. So for sure, no one should do the festival who doesn't want to do it. If you don't think that it brought value to the city, if you don't think that supporting education, culinary education, I'm a scholarship student. I grew up dirt poor and I went to school and work, work study programs and I survived off the kindness of others. And I'll tell you, when I can give back personally, I give back personally. I think that anyone who is in a position to support the festival and to give back at one event, whether it's cooking a dinner at a restaurant where you're doing one course, should be doing it. Because everyone can leave their restaurant for three and a half hours. No one's going to miss anybody, even a Danielle or a Jean-Georges or a Thomas Keller or an Eric Repair. They all can take the time. Me, my, you know, when I think of people who I have beefs with in the city, and you know a lot more. I mean, you sit and have drinks with them. I don't. And you're right. They're probably nice to me and, you know, probably talk shit about me. But that's a fact. Yeah, I'm, I'm, no question about it. Right. No, no question about it. But they don't speak up. Yeah. And you I, know, I, I say, I listen, you, I, if, if anything, I 100% agree with you because people always tell me, it's like, well, you know, like, you're just so loud and this and that. I'm yeah. like, yeah. I mean, if we don't fucking say anything, then nothing's ever going to fucking change. Absolutely. It's, your, it's as much your responsibility, Michael, as it is mine. For but sure. But if you're not going to speak up, when you told me during COVID what I should be doing, yeah. I'm like, how did I not think of that? You're, and I, you know, I remember the date. It was Saturday, March 13th. Yeah, I was sitting outside of Vice City. Yeah. And I remember where I was. And I, I remember having that call with the chefs and saying, I need to do something. How I didn't think about it, but this is not like we were months into it. We were days into it. And I remember right. saying to you, what's the most important thing to you? You know, what, what is the most important bill? And you said your employees. For sure. And that's, we went into action right away. Not because you told me, but because it was the right thing to do. Agreed. And I don't know anybody or any group of people who raised as much money as we did forget the bake sales that we did it's the loans that we did it's the grants that we got from sure. the city it's the money that we raised from that auction with dave portnoy and guy fieri mm -hmm. we did everything that we should that we should have been doing for sure do i expect to thank you no but do i think that somebody who we supported over that period be it you or whoever else it was i think that if i listened to you mm -hmm. and you it was important enough for you to come to me and fill out a form to get some type of grant for us for, for 20 something thousand dollars. Do I think that the following year you could have done, done the festival? Yes. That's me. Yeah. I, and, I, and, I, and I, if I was in your shoes, I would have said, I'm never going to do this fucking festival again, but I do think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, I, I would tell you this. Yeah. I did it for 10 years. I mean, what, I, like, you have to look at it from my perspective. And I've said this analogy to Nick yeah. a couple of times, just talking about this instance. Yeah. So I think that that one stings you the most because, yeah, I mean, you guys helped us out. And I told you 100%. I thanked you and I was like, that's great. But I also told you I would give you the money back. We didn't want the money back. And I understand that. But I also told you that I would give, give you the money I, back. I don't remember that. But if you say it, I believe it. But well, well, my, yeah. my, my, whole yeah. point, my whole point is I gave you guys 10 years. We needed, and it's essentially like your friend that's been your friend for 10 years right. has fallen off the boat. The boat, like he is in the water. Right. He has no idea how to swim. Right. And because he said he didn't like something about you, instead of you putting a hand out 
to bring him back onto the boat, you were like, fuck you. You don't agree with me. That's, no, that's, a, that's essentially what you're telling me, though. No. It I, is. I have said to Larry Carino a dozen times, and we can call him right now, what's wrong with Michael Beltran? How can I fix it? Yeah, but we're here trying to fix it. But, 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 but national radio. <laughs> this is not national. That is, that is a strong statement. That's my... Listen, there's another chef in town. And again, I'm not interested who doesn't like me, Michael. Sure. You know... At this point in my career, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not running for you know prom queen. Um, to cut you off, yeah. I've also said, I don't have an issue with you. Yeah, this is an issue that needs to be figured out. That, that's personally, me. it's a say, it's a say, but it's, that's me. But that's but that's you taking it personally. Well, of me, course. but for me, this is business. This is business but, because you because you guys affect my business, and I think that you can positively affect the city in general. So someone needs to vocalize that. Well, help me make change. And that's what I'm doing. Yeah, but, that's but, what we're here doing. You it. Know, I remember two years ago, um, if I'm correct, if I'm not correct, uh, I was doing a dinner with um, uh, Zach. Zach the Baker. Right. And I, uh, I remember and I said, he said, who's he, who, who's he inviting for the dinner? Yeah, this and is he the said, one. Michael Beltran. And I said, he's never going to do it. He conned, he, said, he conned me into it. But yeah. Well, and then a few weeks after that, there was an issue about the product. You didn't want to use Southern wines. Yeah. And I'm like, Southern is the exclusive provider of wine and spirits. They're donating the product. You know, be gracious, shut up, and use the fucking wine for yeah. one course. What was what point were you making that you didn't want to support the 800-pound gorilla? The day, yes, that's one. And two, the first day. So I sat at a table with other yeah. great chefs uh-huh. that I have a lot of respect yeah. for. And the one thing that we all said right. was we have complete creative control. Absolutely. No one could change that. So I sit here. I come up with a dish. Right. Right. My psalm then tries the dish. Right. Then he then tries a wine and says, this is the wine that's perfect for this dish. Right. That is creative control. The only wine in the world? That's what he wanted. The only- but that's complete, that's complete creative control. Culinary control. I mean, it is. It was not specified. Not you're right, but Zach knew, or Zach, you know, he's done the festival as long as you have, uh-huh. which I'll get to in a second. But Zach knew that Southern Wine and Spirits is the exclusive provider of wine and spirits. And listen, when I, when I sat at that table with people, they're like, "Well, we want to use," and I got to be very fucking honest. I do not drink wine. Right. I drink cocktails, right? I do not drink wine, but I understand the value of wine with food. We sat at that table and said, if we want to use a boutique winery and we want to use X, Y, and Z, that's what we got to use and that's what we want. And my whole thing was saying to everyone, it's cool. I think that the idea behind this event is cool. But also, this is who we want to be. This is what we want to do. And if no one's going to tell you guys no, then you guys are going to keep on just doing what you guys want to do. But doing what? Southern is the provider. I understand that, but don't tell me I have complete creative control and then I can't be creative. If if I I think there's a... um, I I think it's it's not so much about... Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it's not necessarily about the wine or about the 800-pound gorilla. There's From conversations that we've had in the past, there's a, a sense of like, you know... You don't want to go down this road because, and it's not a, again not about this specific institution or whatever. But you know, you give one finger, and next thing you know, they want the whole hand. Yeah. So if you if you budge on the wine, where are they going to budge next? This these were the terms that I was given, and so uh, I would on. agree that he's right. Yeah, I, 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 the fact that I work for Southern Wine—that's how I get my paycheck. Sure. Uh, 
Listen, we turn down millions of dollars a year in sponsorship from brands that we don't sell because that's the agreement that it's exclusive to Southern Wine and Spirits. Why else would they support the festival, put up the money to help get us launched, pay a Lee Schrager to produce the festival, and then all of a sudden start promoting wines that we don't sell? I, I think that... Um just for the benefit of the of the person listening, because I'm I'm sort of the avatar right. of that, right? Like I I wasn't there for all of this, and it sounds to me like maybe not maybe like there was some kind of a communications breakdown, right? For sure, there was a communications breakdown when someone was told that they would have complete creative control, and I do agree with Mike. If you're told you have complete creative control, you know. Uh, the sponsorship of the thing notwithstanding you you unless you're given that caveat you don't aren't necessarily however True. my my question would be uh was the complete creative control thing communicated through one of the chefs who was involved that was told he had complete creative control right. and, and, and it probably was my bad meaning i'm thinking creative control the food because right. we're dealing with chefs I'm assuming everyone knows it's Southern Wine and Lee Schrager is his role at Southern Wine. It wasn't the fact that you wanted to use someone else's wine. I could give a flying fuck. You know, I drink wine that we don't sell. I felt that you were making you yeah. above any... Where you were doing it for one reason, to make a point. And that's it. Because guess what? Your psalm could certainly have found a wine if he had looked hard or he could have called anybody who, you know, your salesperson said, hey, I like this Sancerre, but we can't use it. What do you have that's close to it? We probably would have sent 25 bottles of wine, something, and donated that wine for that course. It was you, Michael Beltran, making a point. And that's what bothered me. Well, but, that, that was but, I did, but I did make a point. You did. I did. I, I, made, I, made, my, I made my point. Yeah. We're standing here talking yeah. about my point. My so, point was... I was given a directive, and we were talked to. We spoke openly. It was a a misunderstanding because Zach said we want creative control, and I said yes. My bad that I didn't say. But of course, you have to use Southern, you know, wine and spirit. I'm thinking you creative control with the courses and things like that. My misunderstanding, and you know, I never had that conversation with Zach. Mm. I just said, you know, fuck Michael. He doesn't have to do the festival, and that was it. And (laughs) guess what? We survived, and it was, I'm sure, a great dinner, and, and that was it. But we, we had also a great dinner that night. Yeah, I'm sure. We did. Yeah, I'm sure. We did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you have 11 restaurants and bars in town. Mm-hmm. I think you should be supporting the festival. That's me. I think that you should be giving back to the community. And, yes, I'm sure you do. Uh, Nick, Nick is chiming in again. This yeah. is a lot. This I've, is the most he's talked in, like, three episodes. Well, no, no because, because we, we – uh, I understand that you think that Mike should be supporting yeah. the festival. So I wonder this is sort of a – same question framed a little differently for each of you. Sure. So for Mike, do you think that there is something about the kind of company that Ariat Hospitality is or the kind of restaurant Ariat is, right? Not about you specifically, but the class or the category you're in that sure. makes it – or whether, it could also be geographical. It could be whatever. It's something about a category you're Geography's in big. That, that makes the festival make less sense for you. Mm-hmm. Uh and then the question for Lee would be, number one, do you think that there is such a category, right? Are there categories of restaurant that, you know, the festival is just not for you if you're this kind of restaurant or if you're in this sort of whatever it might be? And is that a problem? Because And, and, I, and I could understand the argument. I, I could totally understand. Not all festivals or all events or all programming needs to be all things to all people. Maybe it's okay that it doesn't work 
for some category of restaurant that Ariette is in. Right. Yes, I don't think a vegan restaurant should be participating in our festival. <laughs> but I think I'm 100% Michael, on board with this. <laughs> but I think a Michael Beltran should. I, well, here's, here's my point. I yeah. think Nick, Nick made a very, it's a valid question and kind of point all in and of itself, which is, what do I think the festival can do, right? I think like for like the 90 days, 120 days leading up to that festival, mm-hmm. I see a lot of tickers and things about the festival and stuff about the festival. And all the all I ever see is the faces I see all the time, right? Which are the faces on television, the big names. The people the who are pay- the Food Network who is paying for the festival. Right. Yeah. But then you also have, and I hate to say it, yeah. but almost a responsibility to the community around you to not just just I, I get it that they're paying for right. it right but they're paying for the placement you guys have to put us up there too and I'm not saying us as yeah. in me right because yeah. I I, no, I, I don't want my yeah. face on anything yeah. I'm like not a big like yeah, yeah, yeah. put me on a billboard yeah, yeah. guy but like I want to see a billboard with Alex and Lucci doing a dinner with Vetri yeah. you know I want to see a dinner of like Pablo Zitzman doing a dinner with somebody yeah. or Giorgio doing a dinner yeah, with yeah. somebody or so many other people like that. And I would tell you that nine times out of 10, cause like, you know, I've read several articles talking about and a lot of literature about festivals in general. Right. right? And I think the one resounding thing I got from all that is like from chefs, forget about the financial yeah. portion. Like I am ultra obsessed with the finances yeah. only because I've seen the very bottom of the barrel of sure. an, of bank account. So like I, that is something that I focus on a ton. The resounding thing I felt in all of that is that the chefs just want to feel appreciated. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Forget about finances. Put finances aside. Like these cats, all of them, doesn't matter. Women, men, young chefs, old chefs, legends, new up-and-comers, mom and pops, all they want is appreciation. And how that really gets executed, I don't know. I'm not a marketing guy. But how that gets executed and and, and really put in like the living room of somebody in, it could be Kendall mm. or it could be Georgia. Right, right. It doesn't really matter. You guys have that ability to do that. You know, you guys have the ability to really touch people, you know, from a marketing and branding standpoint that we will never have. Right. Because we don't have that power. We don't have a Southern. We aren't right, Southern. Right, right. So it's like, I think that's what people are looking for. And I, and I can tell you that nine times out of 10, people don't tell you this stuff because you know, like they like going to the events and they like doing the thing mm-hmm. and they like, and listen, I, I, again, 11 years I mm-hmm. did it and it's a good time. But at the same time, I also, I could not continue to stomach right. being part of this. I, I hate being a number and I hate being a part of the wheel. Cause I think in reality, Miami itself is the wheel. Like we have created the wheels for the car that you guys drive, which is great. And I think it's amazing. You guys built a great car, right? 22 years deep, you're in there. But the wheels are the people that are here. There's people that also love you guys. I have this conversation too. Like I would say it's probably like a 70-30 split, right? 70% of people be like, fuck the festival. Mm-hmm. 30% were like, I love them. But I would Wait, tell you. you think there are more people who hate us and like us? For sure. In the community? For sure, man. Yeah. Well, that's I, it, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to fucking lie yeah, to you. Yeah. I don't like. I I don't care. Like, yeah. I have nothing to to win by lying. Right. Yeah, of course not. You know. But I would say that there's more nights with cocktails with people and being like, well, you know, like they didn't do this for me, and you know, I wish they would have done that, and then they just overlooked me, and blah. And it always comes down to that simple fact: none of them talk about money except for me. 
I am the only one that talks about the 500 bucks always, right? It, they always talk about like, you know, you know, someone like I always, I use Vetri because he's a legend, right? right. I want to do a dinner with Vetri and I want to do a dinner with this guy. And a lot of these people don't have the power or the reach to be able to provide that for themselves. Right. Right. But you guys know the community and should know the community better than anyone coming from anywhere else. Right. So you guys have the connections to make those things happen. And I think that that's where you guys fall short, right? Listen, I have a lot of, like, I have a lot of love for, like, Bobby Flay and Guy Fieri. I think that they've both done, like, really amazing things for the food and beverage community as a whole, not just, definitely not just sure. in Miami, just, like, yeah. overall. The other ones, not so much. But, like, you know, those two in particular, I think that, obviously, you guys prop them up. Mm-hmm. They're definitely a huge draw and whatever. But I think it's also, like, if, if we're going to continue using our backyard, <laughs> Right. As part of the draw, you have to use kind of like the things that are in the backyard as part of the draw, too. Yes, Nick. I'll just note for the sake of analogy, I think that this is something that we seek to do here with Bancom Podcast. Right. In the sense that we've never sought out to be a local podcast where a podcast that just happens to be here. And so Jean-George Vangerichten gets the same distribution, the same kind of time, the same medium, the same three cameras and our same shitty light as <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it to Mike to say who we should call the bottom of our barrel. <laughs> but we put them on the same plane, right? right? And so in, in, in that way, I think what I hear Mike saying is, um, you know, and again, this is, it's a question of preference. I'm not speaking to whether it's right or wrong. Mike and I do not, by the way, feel the same way about it. So I'm not here to be his like sidekick. Right. You know, we don't feel the same way about the festival. I, I don't get incensed about it the way that he does. Um, incensed but it, is a strong word. Come well, on. Well, you know, you say everything is visceral. It's like your favorite word. So, it is. Um, favorite word. but it, it sounds, what I'm hearing from him, and I'm not saying that I agree or disagree, is that there are people who feel like there's a festival that happens here where they get out of towners table scraps effectively from, a, from, a, a, from a, a visibility really good, standpoint yeah. yeah nicks is better with words today than i am you know I'll, I'll tell you it's really disappointing for me if you told me that it was 70 percent who liked us or like me or the festival and 30 percent who didn't i'd say I, I i don't disagree when you're saying it's 70 percent. well again m- listen my group isn't everyone though Right, like the people that I, ha- I don't hang out with everybody, so you can't. Like, well, that, that's let's true. not let's not use let's not use the whole city as like a sample. You're right. You're right. I'm let's just yeah, yeah. let's just okay. hang out with like the 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 group of people that I hang out with. Right. The, right? the people who could put up with this on a regular right. basis. Right, which is not a lot. Right. So maybe you guys are doing a lot better no, than I, I think. Listen, you, you know what? I have no idea who your friends are, but I bet you. Me I, neither. I, <laughs> or that you hang out with, but I bet you I could name them. You know, I I bet I wouldn't even be hard for me to think twice. You know, I, I'm seeing three people come to mind right away. But but again, I disagree. If something was bothering me so much, or it's not bothering you so much, but if I had a restaurant and I was in Coconut Grove, which is, I think, probably one of the hottest dining destinations of the city, mm-hmm. I'd be saying to me what the owner of the Mayfair Hotel that's going to open up soon is saying to me, how can we make Coconut Grove a destination for that weekend? Yeah, and I would agree with that. Uh, you, you, know, and, you know, there are... I don't want to say whining and dining, but they're all over me to have meetings. How do we make the Mayfair Hotel the hub of Coconut Grove that weekend and, you know, really profile what's going on in here? You know, I we don't have a big team. I do. I know. I know set, some people on your team. I, I, I do 50 different things. I handle communications. I handle CSR. I handle the corporate website. I handle the internet for the company. If I don't get <laughs> feedback 
I don't know. If yeah. you would have ever said to me, or you or your friend Naveen or whoever it may be, would have ever said to me. So uh, Niven? This, is it Niven? I, yeah, I'm, I, like me and Niven know each other, but we're not oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know you and Niven. Yeah. Listen, I think that the beef that you and Niven have is a lot different than, than the, dis listen, the disagreements that you and I have. Here's, so. here's a great story about Niven. He, we had a meeting, a face-to-face -face meeting. It was probably a year ago today. Sure. And I went to this meeting that Larry set up because I think Larry represented him at the time. Yeah. And I went to this meeting with Niven. He's questioning me. I said, well, what's bothering you? Same way I'm talking, you know, in a, a more serious, you know. Sure. Um, and he said, well, I resent that you spend a million dollars on tents. And I said, what are you talking about? That's a strong move. He pulled out his iPhone and had our budget, which you could pull up from the city because we're a state university. Mm -hmm. And he said, this is what's bothering me. I, I don't know that it was tents or garbage pickup, whatever sure. it was, but a crazy number. And he said, you know, how can you justify spending that much money when you're a charity? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, there are 4,000 different things that fall under that one thing, but that's how we classify it as garbage or as tents or something like that. Sure. And I went through that budget with him line by line that he had. I don't know the budget. I don't even know how to pull it up on FIU, I, I, you know, website. I've never been to FIU website. The fact that he went and pulled it up was mesmerizing to me. And he had questions. And pretty, I'm like, pretty shocked I, by and that. I answered every question. And I, we, I, we left the meeting. We shook hands. And I didn't say, are you going to do the festival? I, you know, I didn't say that, nor would I say it to you. We invited him to the festival. He turned it down. And like I wrote him an email saying, hey, I thought we cleared up any difference and never heard from him again. Yeah, I mean, my uh, I think like the financial aspect yeah. of like what you guys do, obviously, like I've done some decent study on it. That's not really my concern. So you've done a de you've done a decent study on what on our finances. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, it's documented, right? Like, right, right, right. Yeah, the money that's donated to right. the to the school, right. the money that goes that's left over from that, like that's all that's all documented. Right. It's not like I dug deep. There's no I'm not, right, right. I'm not like the Secret Service yeah, looking into not, shit. I don't I'm, even do that. I, I'm, that's not that's <laughs> yeah. not. But that's not really yeah. what I'm talking yeah. about. I mean, any kind of business should make money. Yeah. Right. That's not my concern. Right. My thing is, is that if we're going to continue to use South Florida as this thing. And I support South Florida making money in any which way is how do we better highlight South Florida in the process? Because I do not think that we do that. And that's always been my gripe since day one. Now, if you want to talk about like stipends mm -hmm. and shit like that, which is much more fundamentally like I don't quite think you guys understand restaurant economics enough to understand why those numbers don't make sense. That's a different story. But we do understand. We know that it's bullshit, but we gave nothing for 18 years. And, you know, so you can't say that we don't understand. We listened. We, we listened. Did we give you $2,500 per event? No, but we did the best that we thought that we could do and still justify why we're in business to raise money for the, you know, for the hospitality school. Sure. You, you know, you certainly could have said, I would respect you a lot more. If you'd said, you know, Lee, I would really love to do this festival, but I just can't afford it. I can't afford it with the $700 stipend rather than saying I'm not doing it because I can't serve the shitty wine that my son picked out.
Yeah, no, but I think at that point, well, I'll tell you, the wine wasn't shitty. What? I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you this much. is like, for me to go out of my way, right. right, to then tell you that I think that you need to do a better job at your job is not my job. You know what I'm well, saying? I, I, I think now for me, for me to disagree yeah. and just say no, yeah. I'd much rather do my own event. And you want to talk about like how to draw traffic mm-hmm. to the Grove? Mm-hmm. And yeah, the Mayfair is going to look to you because they want to use your tentacles, of course, because they're dropping lots of money mm-hmm. into what's happening there. But for me, I am a mom and pop place. Right. I am a small no place. Question. I am a small no. provider. Like, yeah. and I'm going to do what I think is best for us. Right. I can't sit there and fix your model for you either. It's going to take, it takes a lot of time to sit back and say, okay, so how do I fix this very defunct system that's been there for a while? And essentially, like, you know, I still have a job to do also. It's not your job to fix it. Right. It's your job and your responsibility to tell somebody to relay a message. Hey, this is what needs to be done. The same way you picked up the phone to call me and told me what we should be doing to support the industry during COVID is what you should be doing as a restaurateur. Very different circumstance, though. No, it's a difference. I'm not, it, it, like, I'm not, it, it, I'm not yeah. drowning now. Then right. I was drowning. Right, right. right. And, I, and it wasn't just me drowning. Right. It was a whole industry drowning. Did you called me. Yeah. We stepped up. We delivered. Yeah. Okay. If you called me and told me what was bothering you, we probably could have fixed this issue, Michael, seven years ago, 11 years ago when you first started. No, but I mean, also you have to, again, I think you're quantifying it to like, again, you're 22 years deep. Right. I'm six and a half. Right. Right. So it's like, it's taken a lot of time to get to where I stand right now. Right. Of course. And for me to be able to sit here with you and say, look, I, I appreciate what you guys have done. I just don't agree with it. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. Nick? I I don't agree with lots of things, but guess what? I I I don't. You know, when I don't agree with something, plenty of things I don't agree with. I'm the first to say, you know, I'm not here to be your friend. I, you know, I don't need to be a drinking buddy. But if something was bothering, well, that's not true. I never came to you, but I did go to Larry. And so I you said, didn't, Larry, you yeah, didn't come to I me didn't either. Come to you. I'm as guilty as you are. Yeah, I, I mean, you, like you went to listen. I I love Larry. Yeah. But Larry's still again. It's a double-edged sword for him, right? Like he's he's what, your, telling me the truth. He's your publicist. He's right. my publicist right. too. I mean, you're you're a great account. We've been a great account for yeah, only four years, not it, twenty-two. If he cared about the festival, he would relay what's bothering chefs like Michael. Oh Beltran. man! But I mean, come on. Like you have to look at it like people that are that dug deep, like I am. You know how many times Michael said, "I really have." Excuse me, Larry said. I really have no idea what Michael's problem is. <laughs> well, maybe I haven't really sat here to this extent and had this conversation with Larry. I, I want to note, uh, first of all, that uh, we're going to cut here so that I can insert from our Larry Carino episode his impersonation of Mike Beltran, which was pretty solid. He's got a couple of those. Yeah. I said, but Mike, Nick and I have been talking, and this is true, Nick, you and I have been talking about having coffee and having a cigar, right? I said, but Nick, he goes, did I have a cigar with Nick? Then have a cigar with Nick. Let's not make it a whole group thing. <laughs> and I went, all right, okay, all right, okay. And this is before I met you. And I was like, I can have a cigar and a coffee with Nick. How many times do you keep going back to Taco Bell? You're like, it's been, it's been terrible the last three times I've had it, but I keep going back. Um, and I'll throw a, a question out there. It, it sounds to me, again, as a sort of outsider, because I'm really only like restaurant adjacent here. Like there's... 
something like mission creep happening with the festival in the sense that it seems like neither of you is disagreeing that the festival is about both championing local food and raising money. And those two, I, what I don't quite hear and, and what as an outsider seems to me like, okay, this maybe is the source of some of the the conflict, not between the two of you, but just of the issues at play, is that at some point what you're the, the conflicting things are, okay, we need for the festival to be in service of the restaurants that we're trying to promote, but at the same time we're asking those restaurants to take a hit because this whole thing is about raising money for uh, for a scholarship fund. Because you, you can't have it both ways, right? It can't be about profit for the people who are raising the money for a charitable endeavor. Um, and so I, I wonder whether, uh, I wonder how you see that, right? I, I won't say that it is one, one thing or the other, but I wonder whether there's some amount of, um, of, of, of one of those missions kind of creeping into the other such that, uh, it, it makes both of those things impossible to do optimally. Because I, I think if everybody understood it as, okay, the, the, the thing that I'm being asked to do is to raise money. Cause you guys have done things for charity where you take a hit. Where, right, where that's, where that's kind of the point. But, but you're not alone in, at least in my experience, in discussing the festival. Like you could talk for hours about the festival without ever talking about raising scholarship sure. money. And I think that that's a super common thing. I think it's, it's one, it's very low on the list of how consumers and restaurant industry people think about the festival. Well, the consumer, you said it, the consumer that goes to the festival goes for fun and yeah, fun. Right, right. Right. So I think that's also a double edged sword for you guys, right? Cause like, I'll say the earlier parts of my career, I've only done the, the grand tasting tent like three times. Mm. It's a tough audience. It's a tough, tough audience, thankless. right? Yeah. And exactly. Yeah. It's thankless. Yeah. And you have people that are just it's it's like a it's a day at work that's thankless. Yeah, yeah, that you know? <laughs> and you have that, right? And then on the other hand, you have stuff like the Grand Tasting yeah. and you have stuff like Burger Bash. And, I mean, you guys have, we did the, best of I, think, the best, yeah. I think the last event that we actually did, oh, it was an event on the beach and it was a Bacardi event. I don't. In the, yeah, like a, yeah, the carnival event, yeah. Something quite like that. And I mean, it's just like, and it's so many people. So there's levels of events, yeah. right? But they're all pretty thankless. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I will tell you again, and I go back all the time. Yeah. The person that talks about finances the most, probably even would probably be yeah. one. Right. <laughs> like I've never quite had that conversation yeah. with him. Um, and me. Yeah. You know, like the number doesn't equate, like yeah. the, the risk doesn't equate the reward quite there for me, you know? But it's the other part is like, do the people, are the people that are doing the event feel appreciated to do the event, right? And I know it sounds so stupid. And I think that in all the stuff that I read throughout this whole thing, I'm just like, wow, like, I don't really give a fuck about you telling me, like, you did a good job. I don't care. You know, for me, it's always like, I need to make sure that we're okay. Right. That's always the number one concern for me. But so many other people, like... And, and, and then I thought about it more and I thought about like early on in my career when I was doing this, I did an event with, um, the local fuck. I mean, 10 years ago, right? 
and we were doing these little like Parker House rolls stuff with like smoked brisket and then it was like chow chow tossed with kale and I spent you know like three hours chiffonading kale for this and then I had a whole bus tub of kale just fall into the sand and just disintegrate into sand and I remember thinking to myself like fuck me what do I do now and none of the people at this event could give three fucks mm. about the kale. They didn't care that there wasn't kale in the fucking sandwich. They didn't care about anything that had to do with anything because they were all incredibly pretty banged up and they were just having fun on top of fun. And I, I would say to you also, financial aspects aside, those are things that need to be figured out too. Because like you can't control how much people are drinking and, and they, at those events, they drank a fuck ton. Yeah. You know, and everyone feels like they have to drink what they paid, which I get. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I, 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 you know, it's uh, but the grand tasting is different today than it was when you did it last time. We've made a lot of improvements to it. I'm not listen. Someone like you probably shouldn't be at the grand tasting, but it's a much different experience. But I care about the people that are also at the grand tasting. Yeah. Well, I, I understand that. You know, you, you know, if I was a restaurant tour today, I know there's value in participating in the festival because I hear it all the time. I hear from so many restaurants or from people who will email me and say, you know, I tried something at the Grand Tasting or I tried somebody that I had this burger and I can't remember or I was at Best of the Best and it was right next to the Kistler Wine Station. You know, can I remind them what the name of the restaurant was? I hear that. I know that people, I know that Chris Wessel, when he had Red Light Grill, yeah, red light. I know that when Frank Bruni was writing for the New York Times, that that's where I took him the night before the festival, and Chris got this huge write-up in the New York Times. Listen, I, I know the value of it. I know that when the entire Today Show comes down and talks about Miami being a culinary destination, that it's good for the city. I know that when David Whitaker, who heads up the GMCVB, um, the Greater Miami Chamber... For the oh, audience, they know right? Me. I I know I know um, that when David says this is the most important event for us, even more so than Art Basel, I know that it's doing so some good. I wish that a Michael Beltran or a Niven Patel would think differently, but I'm never going to change how people think. All I can do is do what I want. Is do what I think is the best thing. Sure. I wish that we had enough billboards to put up a Michael and a Mishi and a uh, you, you know, and Giorgio and all those people. I wish, you know, I wish that we controlled that marketing that happens to belong to the network who pays for it and contractually. The year that David Grutman wanted his billboard, his face on it, one of those banners. I mean, who, imagine who would want a face on a banner. Dave, I mean, Dave, I, Dave Grutman would. I, I'm like, he said, if I'm going to do this for you, I have, to. I'm like, really? Okay. What it took for me with discovery to get them to allow a non-network talent was was crazy. But yes, I mean, we could take out ads promoting, you know, I guess, listen, but you take out something adding, promoting Michael, then what happens with Giorgio and then what happens with, you know, Norman or Al or whoever they are, you know, all the different chefs in the city. We're never, ever going to make everyone happy. You're never going to make everyone happy, but you can make strides to have a better relationship. And I think that you can. Well, and I think that somebody like you has to help. And if you cared enough about the industry and the city, well, you know, I mean, there's there's definitely like there's very little doubt that I care very much about the industry, and you can, well, and like, I mean, that's pretty well documented. So I'm not going to go like super deep into right. it, you know. But like, I live and breathe and do nothing else but for this community, right? 
So I don't really need to justify that, but what I do want in my life, and listen, I'm still pretty young, mm. so I hope to be doing this for a very long time. What I hope is to not have such a rough relationship with other people that I feel have an impact in the community, which is... We don't have a rough relationship. We have no relationship. There's a difference. Well, I mean, and I also, I, I don't quite totally think, we don't, we don't have a relationship, but the relationship we do have is not quite like, you know, great. I think it's nothing. Well, I mean, I, I would say you're, th that's not true, right? Because every time that we've communicated, it's always been a rough communication. And for me, I've always told you, this is not personal. This is business. Right. But and, I think and, it, but I think it is personal. And that's okay. Right. And, and for me, like the personal aspect of like my business right. is very important to me because like, you know, I, it, I think about it as I have a lot of people to answer to. Right. You know, like I am employed by my employees. Right. You know, so I have to make the best decision for them. Of course. And that's okay. It's a shitty decision. A lot of those people would probably want to be involved right. or want to do things, want to get out of the office for a day and do a thing. And it's shitty when I tell them that we're not going to yeah. do a thing. No, I'm sure. But it's also what I believe in that I think is right. Because somebody has to make a point. Somebody has to. There are different make... ways to make a point, Michael. And I mean, I there, don't... there are different ways to make a point. I'm more a little shock and awe than other people. Well, uh, you know, and that you know, that's just youth. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm. There, I guess there are different ways to make a point. There are lots of ways to make a point. There are lots of ways to change things. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you and I disagree. How I, you know, when I want to change things, and there are plenty of things that I've wanted to change. Going back to the early days of fundraising for HIV, you know, you speak up, you talk, you sit, you have meetings, you communicate. Sure. I don't happen to appreciate the way you make a point. But again, I don't think I'm going to change it. I don't think you're going to, Michael Beltran's going to change my life. Would I like you to do the festival? Absolutely. Cool. I think that's really, you know. I, I, I think that me personally, Personal feelings aside or whatever it may be, I think that there's avenues of change that can be made. It's just open communication on both sides. And to, and you may not see it this way, and maybe other people don't see it this way either, but don't put blinders on the fact that a lot of the community here is being kind of just forgotten about because they are, you know, in the effort of the festival, they are being forgotten about. And it, like, I get it. It's big. There's a lot of shit happening. You don't have to explain that part yeah. to me. I get it. it. Right. I, 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 not only do I see, I understand, I don't understand your yeah. job, but I understand that there's a lot of shit yeah. that's yeah. involved with it. But I understand, like, for me personally, there's a lot of shit I got to do too, you know? So for me to say, okay, I want to, like, really, like, help change this, it's, it takes a lot out of the both of us. It's not just it's not just you saying like you've done something a certain way for 22 years and now it's like a totally different thing or at least being open to change. For me, it's also saying like, OK, I'm going to take this upon myself and other people like me to want to be part of that change, too. My whole thing is I feel and have always felt financial part aside because that's a different facet. There needs to be a different level of appreciation appreciation there doesn't need to be like one event that's called locals only right that essentially when i say i'm not going to do what you guys want me to do you, have an event called locals only? you did 
And that's the one that I was supposed to do. Really? That I, yeah. It's called, it was called Locals Only? Something along those lines, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Huh. And for me not to do it and then be like, be looked at as like, well, he's just being difficult. Yeah. I mean, what I'm going to. Was that the, maybe yeah, that was a dinner? But yeah. That was the dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me to essentially <laughs> say like, yeah, because I'm going to prove a fucking point here. You know. And then looked at it and then also like I, I hear a lot of things, right? Yeah. And it's be like, well, that's just Mike being Mike. Yeah. No, that's Mike saying, fuck it. I don't really care that much to do it and just continue to be treated a certain way instead of saying, you know what? We'll work with you guys. Right. We're open to working with you guys. Let's have a conversation as opposed to just saying you're being an asshole. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think you've been an asshole, but I think I'm, you know, listen, I'm, uh, you know, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't respect you. You know, equally, I respect, yeah, listen, yeah, yeah. E equally so. Yeah, it doesn't mean that I don't respect you. But if people don't take time to make change and they're not part of change, we wouldn't have civil rights. We wouldn't have gay rights. There were so many things. You, you, you know, people need to speak up. But someone had to prove a point first. If you say so. You're going down a dangerous road here comparing Michael Beltran to a civil rights man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And he's not exactly Harvey Milk either. No, I get no. it. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I am none yeah, of that, yeah, and yeah, I would yeah, never yeah, champion yeah, you, any you, of you, that stuff. Listen, I, you know, Michael, I, I think bottom line is if I didn't respect you, I wouldn't be sitting here today. Well, I, I also find it intriguing that when uh, when Nick sent you an email to invite you right. on here, you <laughs> you didn't think that I wanted you to be here. Well, and, and, and let, me, let me be clear. If you want us to cut that out, we can, because I know that that wasn't an necessarily oh, on-the-record right. email exchange. What? No, no, no. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I was very, what I said is, listen, I get lots of emails from producers, from direct whatever, and sometimes... You know, they're just doing their job. They, you know, they they have to fill fifty four spots a year, and they don't care if it's me or if it's Cindy Lou Cookies. You know, uh, I, what I said is, I just want to make sure that Michael is aware. If I'm correct, is that right? Yeah, that yeah Michael yeah. is aware. Want to make sure I, said, I hadn't gone rogue. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I was. You know, I certainly didn't want to. You know, get here and find out. You know that I. You know, uh, it was my idea. Well, I I, I didn't know that. So. Th this and goes you know, to, to whose detriment? Like Larry was in incredibly worried about this. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Worried? What's it we're not saving lives. I mean, you're you know. No, but I mean, you know, Larry also knows that I'm an asshole too. Yeah. No, listen, everyone knows you're an asshole. <laughs> not <laughs> everyone. Most people. Not everyone. No. So <laughs> this is a this is a good segue to a thing that just and I'm really only chiming in 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 hopes to to move the thing in some direction or another. You can move someplace else. Yeah. Uh, well, no. Uh, no the, a direction. Yeah. So. Mike, this past festival, did you were there. Ariette didn't participate with its own thing, but you were there with Beam, which brings correct. And so the the thing you that were, I, I didn't know that I was. Yeah, what and, were you doing? Uh, we did a Beam like the Beam tent at Swine One. Really? Yeah. And so, so they the, they uh, they contracted you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and so, Just the, so you know, had I known that, I would have called Beam in one second and killed that. <laughs> <laughs> and well, actually, somebody somebody did. Call oh, and, did I, yeah. and, and tried to kill that and yeah. beam and you know what I probably wouldn't have done that. beam yeah. beam stood up and said this is the person that we want yeah yeah so and you know I respect I beam a lot for that oh so Michael Beltran got paid yep so he showed up correct okay so okay. so the question the, so the question to me not is my, not Mike Beltran area restaurant got, got paid. paid so you were there so I didn't even know you participated yep yeah and I, I but, would, it, but just, again, but just again, to be clear I probably would not have called beam. 
But I, I, that's another that's another good point, right? Because yeah. you're going into do you well, have to, do you have to finish this? Well, yeah. The, the the only the the thought, right? It's not so much of a question. It's like half question, half thought. Is I I wonder whether just knowing that can take the conversation in the direction of like what can be done to find what you might call like creative solutions, right? Because the the money is obviously not going to be pulled from these FIU kids. And the money is not going to, you know, Southern is going to start, like you said, because there are doors you can't close. Mm-hmm. But maybe there are ways to take something. And I'm sure it's not the first time something like that's happened. I'm sure it happened no. many other times, many other yep. years. But to sort of build on that as some kind of a model, right, to at least to that that's the the vague semi question is just like what can be like where might the conversation about creative solutions to this problem go and of course like like you said earlier not everybody can have a billboard not everybody can have you know a cooking demo at prime time on the food network whatever it might be but you know in the same way that the festival doesn't have to be everybody for everybody or benefit every last single person maybe some of these creative solutions you know to benefit one more person to make one more person uh, to make the the festival an asset to that person, and also that person an asset to this fundraising effort. Well, listen, the truth is, if we didn't have a, a Michael Beltran or Naveen Patel, I wouldn't, you know, who disagreed or didn't, you know, didn't want to participate in the festival, I'd have nothing to talk about a lot of times. I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, there's there's definitely a large group of people that like the festival. Yeah, yeah. I think well, yeah. I think to to Nick's point, yeah. like, so I thought because when they first called me, I told them no. Yeah, right, and I was who like. Being? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And we had done, we've done several events before, mm-hmm. yeah. and they've done events with us, yeah, yeah. and they've been a great partner. Um, I told them no. And then they told me the event, and they told me the why, and the reason, and the budget for it, mm-hmm. and everything else. And I said, okay, well, that's cool. All that kind of like checks out or whatever. But it's really like geographically, which is what I think Nick mentioned or you mentioned before, mm-hmm. that event makes the most sense for a restaurant like mine mm-hmm. because that's like not just in our backyard that is our backyard right, right, right. you know so the opportunity to cover everything that needs to be covered staff it the way it's supposed to be staffed do food that we're happy with feel like we're getting appreciated in response and work with some really great people um all that kind of checked out and I'm not saying like the bean people are better than, than the Soviet people. I'm just saying oh, like, I those are people that we've yeah. worked with before and right. they're great to work with and so on and so forth. That event made a lot of sense because it's literally five blocks away. Right, right, right. Mm. So stuff like that makes a big difference. Well, a dinner for 80 people with four local chefs, you cooking one course makes a lot of sense. I can understand why you wouldn't want to be at a Burger Bash. Sure. Maybe even best of the best, although I think it's night, you know, I like the name. I'd want to, I'd want to. We did it three yeah, times. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd want to be there if I had a, you know, something, you know, a restaurant or 11, you know, all the restaurants you're having. But, you know, to do a dinner with four of your friends that you're friendly with, you know, that, sure. you, you know, I think is a fun thing. And I think it's a nice opportunity. I don't think it's too taxing. Yes, of course, you're not being reimbursed for your staffing, you and the two chefs who are coming or three chefs to support you. But I, I you know, I think that's a way somebody like you to, can participate. Listen, don't think that I don't get calls every month from brands, a BMW, a collection, a credit card company, a bank, Bank of America, an airline looking 
for, to say to me, hey, we are working on something. Who do you recommend locally? Mm-hmm. I don't penalize Michael Beltran for not doing it, but I think of people who we work with to do it. Sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the... It, it goes every way. I mean, I, I can't tell you the opportunities here. I mean, if you... Speak, I'm, I'm trying to think... I, of course, now I can't think of one example, but right. I, I can't think of one thing. But, you know, there are there are plenty of things that people come to us. And when I can do something nice for people who support us, I want to do it. I would never hurt someone who doesn't support us. Right. But I certainly wouldn't go out of my way to recommend something. If somebody said to me, if American Airlines said, hey, we want to do something with five chefs. We're going to open another club, a pop-up during Art Basel. Uh, we, you know, send us a list. More than likely, we'd probably not think of a Michael Beltran, not because he's not incredibly talented, but I would think of people who go out of their way to support what we do. For sure. Yeah. That, that, things like that don't bother me at yeah. all. Well, I, I, well, they would we, bother me. Yeah, well, yeah, but I think like the, the bigger question is, right. and like what I think, geography is huge, right? Yeah. So like, would you not be willing to put a piece of South Beach or Sobe yeah. or whatever. I know it's called Sobe, so yeah. it's kind of like uh, counterintuitive. Yeah. But like to do a slice of it in Little Havana, to do a slice of sure. it in oh, South Miami, doing... a slice of it in it. Coconut Grove. What, yeah, what? but not like Swine and Wine. Swine and Wine is like an event that that now has like cachet that people go to that is like already well known. Right. I don't quite think that you've quite ventured out other than that event. Well, we're having conversations sure. about Coconut. Listen. Truthfully, three, four years ago, there weren't enough good restaurants here Agreed. in Coconut Grove. I don't you know. That. It was Ariette. You know what? Guess what? It's Ariette now. It's probably a mall. It's Mr. C. It's a Pora de Mari. It's a new Biltmore, excuse me, the new Mayfair Hotel. We're going to do a whole thing, This a whole taste of whatever we're calling it, you know, Coconut, whatever. We'll mm-hmm. come up with a name. Same way that we're going to do a whole Overtown thing this year called uh, The Soul of South Beach. With Marcus doing it. I mean, listen, I think this conversation should what be... what about Little Havana? I mean, you're talking about one of the oldest, you know, I, most I influential I, neighborhoods in the city. I don't know it. And you, yeah. you know what? We didn't have a sushi event at South Beach for so many years. And people would say, well, why don't you have sushi events? I'm like, oh, wow, I never thought about it. I don't eat sushi. But we had a fried chicken event. We had a burger event. We had, you know, taco, I don't... Yeah, but yeah, 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 things, you know. But Little Havana, I wouldn't even know... Who to begin with? Doesn't mean I couldn't find out. You know, my philosophy is in three emails today. You can get through to anyone. I'd love, you know, I'd love to do something with Little Havana. We work with um, Versailles, or, you know, the the Vals family all the time. They're, we're just texting with Nicole on the way over here. You know, we do, we include them in things. I wouldn't even know how to start, how to get a group of restaurateurs in that area together to do something. We work with Asuka. We work with, you know, Versailles. Um, I mean, you have one of the best bars in the country there. Which? La Trova. Oh, yeah, no. Which is Michelle. We, 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 do, we do an event there every year. Oh, I think that... If, let's, like, separate the, fart, yeah. the, the the fact that it's, like, restaurant tours and restaurants. You're talking about, like, a cultural epicenter. It's fabulous. Right? Of, like, the city. And that's kind of... People want to see that. People coming to town. Right. You know, Anthony Bourdain, when he used to come here, you know, rest in peace... Where do you think I used to take him when he came out here? We went to those dive restaurants and those great, you know, ended up at Versailles late at night. That's what they want to see. Right. Um, but we'd love to do something there. I mean, listen, I, 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 are you, I don't know. Are you, are you I, there. I think, you know, I didn't even know that you're Latin. 
Very, I'm sorry to tell you, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even know that you're Latin. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, 100%. I grew up listen, in the neighborhood. Th- then step up and help me uh, plan something there. Yeah, I mean. I, I wouldn't, I don't even speak Spanish. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you. So it's very, very okay. hard for me to plan something. Not that people on my team don't speak Spanish. Probably everyone does but me. But it's very hard for me to go to the small mom and pop bodega or the small, you know, they don't understand that. I remember when Burger Beast took me to, free, what's the famous Frita place? Oh, El Rey. Right, yeah, El, right, right, right. I'll never forget when he took me there. Uh, and I met the owner and his daughter, I think, her daughter yeah. who runs it. This guy, old guy couldn't understand a burger bash and what it would mean and making 3,000 burgers and doing it for free. But guess what? Once he did it, he loved it. Um, So I'd love to do something. I mean, people always say, why don't we do a big Latin or Cuban theme party? And we've done them. We've done Latin theme parties, but never authentic like that. Mm. Um, I I wouldn't even know how to go about closing the street. I guess we'd talk to the Rotary. It it happens. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. No, I know they do, you know. uh, They do Cayocho. Yeah, they do Cayocho. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't even know, but I got it. I mean, that's like a, a no-brainer if I knew how to do it. Right. Um, you know, we're having conversations with the city of Coral Gables now about doing a whole, you know, closing down Geraldo next year. I, just today, Vince Lago, the mayor, emailed me and said, when can we meet? Having conversations, as I said, with Mayfair about doing something in Coconut Grove. We're doing something at Overtown. We're doing things in Hollandale Beach. We did things in Key West. I mean, uh, yeah, Key West. Uh, you know, we're all for it. But, you know, it's a small team. No excuse, but I kind of know, I kind of stick to what I know best. And it doesn't mean just because I'm not doing a sushi event that we shouldn't. I just, you know, I didn't think about it. Same way. You can be sure. I'll, be, I'll make a note in my calendar right when I walk out of here saying F-U, which means follow up in my calendar. It will say F-U, you know, Little Havana. It'll say F-U, yeah. Michael Beltran. Yeah, well, that it says. It wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be the first time. I'd love that. I mean, I have to tell you, if I was a, a local Cuban kid, who came from there, who had access. I mean, what have you done for that area? And you may have done plenty, but right. I don't know about anything. Yeah, no. Trust what have me. you done to promote that area? Oh, man, a lot, but I don't have anything there. Well, well nor do I. Well, I mean, adjacent, but not there. But you're the, you're there. I mean, but you're from that area. Right. Again, I don't even know that you're Cuban. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's because you don't pay attention enough. Well, to what should I pay attention? I, I, I will say... That's kind of like the core of the Michael Beltran brand. Right. I mean, the, the core of my entire brand. Well, I guess is, if you look at Chugs, you know, I could figure that out. Yeah. I mean, if you, if, if you listen to, I'd say, I don't know, 20% of the things that I say. Yeah. I mean, it, it is that I am incredibly proud of the city that I'm from. I mean, you're, you're wearing a Cuban flag on your logo right now. I am. Uh, and, oh, Mark? Uh, Cuban flag on my logo right oh, now. Oh, now that I see it, yeah. And... I mean, if, I, I didn't, if, Michael, I guess I could have figured it out. I guess, Bel, well, Gingy Beltran is a friend of mine. She's Cuban. I guess I could have put that name. I don't even know her. Maybe we're related. Are you Beltran? You're Beltran. Yeah. No, She's Beltran with an N. At no, no, she. No, you don't no. know Gingy? No. Yeah. But I think that. Her it, mother it, owns, um, what's the big florist, the Cuban florist on uh, Bird Road? Oh. So he, it's going to kill me because I, I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue. He is, uh, three letters. Uh, no, I don't know it. Oh, yeah, big floor. I mean, her mother's a, like a social, very social Cuban. Uh, Trias. Oh. T-R-I-A-S. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's her mother, Violetta Beltran. I think that um, even kind of more so, that kind of like proves like, if you don't know yeah. that I'm Cuban, yeah. you know, and like, that is part of like, a lot of the dialogue that I say. Yeah. 
I mean, you don't really know me at all. Yeah. No, I, I, I wouldn't pretend to know you. Right. I, I, I wouldn't pretend to know you. But so, as someone that has supported the festival yeah. for as long as I did, right. that's pretty shocking. Well, there are a lot of people who support the festival who I don't know anything I, I, about. I know, but I'm also the, the one person that continues to be a thorn in the side, right? Like, you know, I guess Neven would be the other one. Um, for you not to take the time to say, like, maybe I should know why I, I, we don't get along or we don't. Like, I know, I know why we don't get along right. when it comes to the business right, aspect right. of it. From a personal side, I again yeah. I have no issues, but like uh, I think that even more says you know you you don't really know the community all that well. Oh, I, I I'm not pretending. I, I never said that I'm the authority on the community. I never represented myself as being the be all know all in the community. Listen, I, I guess if I had thought about it, and no offense, I don't think I ever thought about it. I don't think I sat home and said, hmm. Beltran, he must be Cuban. Let me see what Cuban friends I have maybe can help mend our relationship. Yeah, but is Larry Carino? No, Larry is definitely not was Cuban. He, is he Italian? I've, I don't <laughs> even know what Larry is. He's worked for me for 20 years. I'm sorry to tell you I don't even know. I'm, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure Larry's Italian. You think? I think he must be yeah, Italian. Yeah. But I didn't think... Listen, I, I, I had zero... If I had actually thought about it, I guess I would have said, oh, he's probably Cuban. But if, if by if the I, name only by the name nothing else I mean uh, you know your temper doesn't necessarily make you Cuban you can be Italian or Jewish well yeah, you're, you're Cubanly loud yeah, yeah, yeah I am yeah. Cubanly loud yeah. but, but I think that you know I, let's again, do a Kyocho event you know figure out what we can do to or let's find out with the best restaurants I, I don't know or what would be a fun Kyocho thing to do yeah I mean I did a Kyocho thing with Beam yeah I, I, you I, did it with, what was it I mean they did the release of the Gloria Stefan mural Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I did all the I did see it. that, yeah. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think I actually saw her uh, posting about it a few weeks. Am I right? Same. It's yeah. a it's a beautiful. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. No, I no. That's I think there there have been a, a few instances of you um, making references to a small team, right? And I'm sort of struck by you know how much of the conversation of you know well if uh i had known this i would have done this with the festival and and this probably should have come earlier in the conversation can, can you go into some whatever detail you think makes sense on how structurally the festival works because it, it's it uh it makes sense to me if it's that small a team that no one person would be aware enough of all of these disparate things in all of these places in a city this size with a festival this huge which maybe is its own problem not of your making but when if, i can i can imagine the festival being a bigger thing than you can manage how many people do you think work on the festival full time in my office uh 30 30 yeah i mean i don't think 10 just so you know so i want to go through this is ashley shapiro Teddy Road, Alley, eight full-time people. Eight full-time people work in this festival full-time. So how how do things happen? So you know how, maybe that's just sort of running through titles, or but like let's. I, I want to make sure. Wait, hold on, I'm, I'm has, counting. Yeah. Eight people work in this festival full time. So suppose somebody has an idea for whether it's a new event right. or what, what? What does that process look like? Because I, I, I wouldn't have guessed that it was only eight people. 
I don't know how many I would have guessed it was, but I would have guessed that at least at some point in the year, it's a whole lot of people full time oh, sure. part of Wait, the year. There's eight people, eight full time employees who work for the festival, right? Right. And and that's probably eight full time people who work twelve months. Right. As we get, you know, there are forty event managers and thirty sponsorship directors. I don't even know most of their names. Right. Um, uh, it's eight people. I joke all the time. I used to know everything that happened in the city. Because I, you know, this is 15 years ago, but it was small. Things weren't happening. So I knew everything. The way I found that, find out about news is by reading Eater when I have time or listening to somebody in my office. I can't tell you how I used to be up to date with every restaurant. I knew about everything that was opening. I didn't even know a mall opened until Lizzie Newell, who works for me, said, Oh, have I been to a mall yet? I said, I didn't even know it was open. So no, I'm not. I, I I don't get. I don't read press releases from publicists. I don't. I don't take free meals to go anywhere. Um, so I'm not aware of it. Um, so I, I I you know I I think the process is people email me all the time. You know, someone will email me and say, "Hey, we're opening a new restaurant. We want to do a dinner there, or we have a new burger on our menu. Can we participate in the burger bash?" That's how things happen. I get ideas all the time. We sit and talk to anybody. I mean, I, I talk to people all the time. There's one thing about me. I'll return every email and every phone call, good or bad. Um, and that's how I learn about things. So if somebody came to me with an idea that I think can, we can produce, that we can pull off, that will be successful, that we can get sponsors and it can make money, I do it. Hmm. And that's the truth. You know, I, uh, but no, it's a very small team. I mean, we have a full-time PR person who works with Larry, you know, PR person. We have a associate director of the festival who runs it on a day-to-day person. We have a accountant. We have a talent manager. We have an exhibitor manager. Uh, we have a beverage, per- kind of a beverage person, an assistant. Yep, eight people. That's not counting me, but I don't work in the festival. I don't, you know, my days are not consumed by the festival. Right. So, uh, but no, it's, you know, it'd be very hard. Yes. Should I have known that Michael Beltran, I mean, common sense would have said to me, oh, it's a Cuban last or a Latin last name. Right. Well, and, and I would even say, setting aside anything about the last name, even if you weren't Cuban, and this is not a knock on you. I'm not saying, it's like, oh, you, oh, you should have known, you should have known. But the whole story of Ariette is that it's a, a new Cuban-American cuisine. I mean, everywhere that it's ever been covered, it, it's. I don't know that you've ever gotten press without Cuba and Cuban being in the, right. the, those words being somewhere near the top of the piece, which right. is fine. You don't have to read. I'm not, I'm not, my point is not... You know that, Lee, that Lee Schrager. My point is not that Lee Schrager should have known this. Yeah. It's that it makes perfect sense to me that, given that this is not your full time yeah. gig, and there are only eight people, only a portion of whom yeah. w- would have knowing about Mike Beltran in their job yeah. description. The accountant doesn't yeah. need to know that Mike Beltran is Cuban. Yeah, right, right, right. So of that team, it it's it seems to me that that that's its own problem where that that creates a uh, not. Uh, insofar as it contributes to disconnect. the perceived disconnect between the culinary community and the festival. Uh, yeah. I, I, listen, I don't know that the fact that I don't know that Michael Beltran is Cuban is the issue here. It is to Michael Beltran because he's a loud, you know, proud Cuban. No, I mean, it's, it's, no. Not, it's not really an issue to me either. Yeah. It, it's just right now we're just yeah. stating it as like uh, what's, what's just happened. Yeah. Do you, right? and you know, the interesting thing is I would never do an interview without Googling what I'm talking about. If I'm going and talking, I did not Google 
one thing about Michael Beltran. You're continuing I, a long, proud tradition of not Googling things right here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. You know what? I didn't call Larry Carino today and say, hey, what should I know about Mel? I didn't. I wanted to come talk to you. Yeah. And that, that was it. It didn't matter to me if you were, you know, whatever you were. I wanted to talk to you. And that was it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you've mentioned that you, you know, you read this or you Google that. You, you know, I, I respect that. I should have done the same. I was yeah, not I mean, prepared. For, for me, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'll never go into a conversation without at least being a little equipped. Right. I, I felt that, well, in my mind, I was equipped for what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> well, and, yeah. and to be clear, the, 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 at least my point, and I think Mike's point is not that like you should have, it's not that you should have known anything. It's yeah. just, it, it's just sort of an illustration of, which is fine. Not yeah. there's, there's, I'm sure there's plenty that you don't know about all kinds well, yeah, of people in Miami. Yeah. You know, but it's, it, it, in the same way, I think it's more equivalent to not necessarily not knowing that, uh, Zach Stern is Jewish, but rather that he doesn't have, kosher products on his menu right like the the food at Ariette is what's cuban that you are cuban is you know obviously the the reason for that but. right well i mean the story of the restaurant is what matters the most right you know right. like i the way I but i know that you're on chug's diner and we go there and i never you know how stupid i mean it's not even i never even i didn't even pay attention to it i am chug yeah yeah that is me yeah that is my name. no and we, we go there oh, i appreciate that yeah. thank you i think that you know, to, I guess, like, to find, like, a... What does Chuck mean? That's my nickname. Why? The uh, chocolate milk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want to, you know, I, I need to wrap this up. Um, but I want to talk about Michelin for a minute. Okay. If Yeah. Sure. I, I know you got an invitation. I did. You got it for Chugs. I did. Yeah. Did you get it for Ariette? I got a personal invitation. For Ariette. It doesn't say for where. I was invited twice. You're, okay, then you got it. I know you got it for Chugs. Um, I didn't, I, and I didn't know what else you got it for. Yeah, um, I have two RSVPs. Yeah, I don't know what the second. Are you going? Is. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah, okay. So, um, wh- what are your thoughts about who wasn't inviting? Who was a miss? I don't really know the whole group of people who weren't invited. Yeah. I know of the people that I I do know who was invited. You know, I think that there's a lot of deserving people. Um, you know, if the list of people that I know of that didn't get invited, if some of them really didn't get invited, I'd be pretty shocked. Yeah, like... And I don't know. We may cut this out, but yeah. like... Thank you, thank you. Cut it out. Well, I think we can start to wrap it up here. Yeah, yeah so this is where we do our wind down. Uh, Leah, I had mentioned earlier to you that uh, that we always do the recommendation thing. Uh, if you'd like, you can uh, you can kick that off, letting people who are listening to and watching this know a thing that you'd recommend to them. Again, it can be absolutely anything. It can be a meal, a book, a movie, uh, whatever. Uh, so if you want to, if you want to go first, you can. Otherwise, we can kick it off to Mike. And I'm going to recommend something that I'm watching on TV right now on HBO Max called Hacks, H-A-C-K-S. Oh, that is good. Which, if you have not, I I don't watch TV a lot, although I've watched more in the last two years than I have in 60 years. Uh, But Hacks with Gene Smart is one of the greatest things I've seen on TV. Cool. Yeah. Michael? Um, So, Obi-Wan, very good. I'm shocked. As a sci-fi person, that show... I'm three. I mean, they only have three episodes out. It's shockingly good, and I don't know. I'm again. I'm still pretty shocked that it's that good. It's like it's really good. Acting is good. Storyline is good. 
production is good. Like everything is incredibly solid. So there's that. Um, I would, uh, and this is like, I guess, self-promotion, but uh, the BK pie at Chugs, uh, I'm going to recommend two Chugs things just because they're, one is not new and the other one is super new. Um, the BK pie at Chugs is, uh, been very important in a very tough time for me and um you know it's 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 our version of the bk pie that's at burger king oh you know a funny story that the the head chef of burger king reached out to me which he's a belen guy are you a belen guy no he's oh. a belen guy yeah. i'm a columbus guy yeah okay um and um because I guess I tagged it as like BK pie, which I probably shouldn't have done. Because uh, we call it like Valhorana chocolate cream pie, because that's what it is. But it's essentially inspired by the BK pie. I don't even know what it be. I've never been to a Burger King. But the BK pie, it's like literally just chocolate cream pie. It's like, it really? used to be 99 cents. I'm sure now it's much more. But um, How much is it on your? Oh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a lot. With all, it's actually the most expensive percentage product in our entire company. Really? It costs us like 50% to produce and it's like 11 bucks a slice, but okay. it's all 100% Valrona chocolate. Oh, my favorite. And it's like Chef Devin's like favorite thing. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go tomorrow and get it. It's, it's really good. I mean, don't sleep on the passion fruit pie either, but I that like thing passion is. Fruit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, but this one's really good. Yeah. So. Well, uh, might I suggest when you have people in the future? That you have some food so people can talk Sometimes about we have food. Excuse me. I, I got a bottle of water. Yeah. Well, we offered you drinks, too. We <laughs> Everyone drink. always usually drinks. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll give it that much. Yeah. Um, and then the second recommendation from Chugs is that we just rolled out a bacon, egg, and cheese croqueta, mm. which is really, really delicious and interesting. And so far, people have very much enjoyed it. I enjoy it. So I recommend those things. I'm going to recommend uh, season three of a show that I became aware of when Danny Surfer was on the podcast and recommended the first season, The Boys, oh, on Amazon. Great. The Boys is uh, it's on Amazon. It's an Amazon Prime original series, and the, the premise of it is that it's like if uh, uh, in a world like where in a world where superheroes exist, but right. they all work for different superhero companies. And this one follows uh, Vought, which runs The Seven, which is like the premier superhero company. And so it's sort of like, you know, what if superheroes were real? Well, of course, they'd all be tremendous assholes and do unspeakable things. So that's kind of the the premise of The Boys. Um, That show's really super well done. I've only watched the first season, but it's... Yeah, Super very boring. gory. So Super if you're squeamish boring. about that, yeah. uh, stay away. Especially the first like ten minutes or so of this first of the season three are like I I had to oh, stop like first. That, huh? Yeah, like wow. gross, gross. Wow. Uh, at least for me, anyway. But, it's like if superhero movies weren't so like fluffy. All right. right. Never, I've never seen a superhero movie. Oof, I've seen a lot. No, so you that. Like, you like- you like sci-fi also, which I don't oh, like. Super sci-fi yeah. nerd. Yeah. 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 And so uh, in a shock to no one, I have two recommendations. This one also pertains to a past guest. Um, so there is actually two past guests. So there is a new book that will be released later this month. It is called Give Me Liberty. It's by Pulitzer winner uh, David E. Hoffman. It is about Oswaldo <laughs> Paya, the father of past guest uh, Rosa Maria Paya. She was a guest on this podcast. And on June 22nd, at Books and Books, I think this episode will be out before then. Uh, Rosa Maria Paya and David E. Hoffman will be in a discussion moderated by another past guest, Vanessa Garcia, about this book. 
So June 22nd, uh, I'm sure if you go to Books and Books' website and you're able to get to the Gables that day, should be a super interesting thing. And I guess I could have figured out by the name of this podcast that there was a cube in here. <laughs> There's at question. least one. Uh, we yeah, know yeah, Nick yeah, is yeah, definitely yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm the, yeah. <laughs> but you're surrounded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so finally, we'll wrap up with shameless plugs. Lee, go ahead and plug. Tell everybody all the things you want to plug and where they can find you and your stuff and the festival and all that. Wow, what do I want to plug? Uh, I, 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 I'm not plugging anything. I, yeah, just buy tickets to Sobe. That's all you yeah, got to say. No, it's, it's New York's before Sobe. Oh, anything. oh, there you go. I would yeah. plug New York. Um, no, what, do I, what am I plugging? Coconut Grove, I think, the new hot dining scene. I have to say, you know what? When I moved here eight years ago, there was nowhere to eat, and now I, you can't figure out where to eat, which is yeah. great. And, and, and to be clear, we just mean, I mean, you can plug anything you want, but we mean like an opportunity to plug your own stuff in no, the festival. I have not, no, I, I, I'm, uh, no, uh, no, I have nothing to plug. So for me, it's all the things. Great. Old. Insert song. All the things. I still got to recommend all my shit. I mean, we've, we've done this 80 times already. Guys, whatever. Yeah, all the things. All the things. No, <laughs> so who knows? Maybe people, are, maybe people are coming here for the first time. But you know what? Fuck you. All the things. All the things. At this point, just all the things. All the things. Yeah, we have a we have a listener who made a song because he'd always answer just all the things. Very dismissively of this whole segment. And, um I am not going to be dismissive of the segment. You can give us all your money at patreon.com slash datamag. Follow Pancom Podcast on all of the podcast things. We're Pancom Podcast on all the social media things. Uh, and, of course, you can follow Petey the Dog on Instagram at P-E-A-T-Y, like a Petey Scotch, Petey the Dog on Instagram. Uh, he, he doesn't post very often. When he does, high quality. Yeah, high quality That's stuff. It. Thanks a lot, Lee, for Good being here. here. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thanks for having me, of course. It's Next time we'll have food. I, oh my God, I, I'd be like, you know, it's like nine o'clock. I like gave up dinner for this. I figured, oh, I, I said to friends, I said, I'll see you at eight o'clock. I said, we're going to, it can't oh. go longer than an hour. Oh, man. I mean, Jesus you definitely Christ. haven't listened to this before. This is one of the shorter ones. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.